Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 98. Let's roll. And I tweeted a little bit uh, about my boy, Albert Okui Boonham. Albert O. Just call him Albert O. I mean, <laughs> yeah. who's trying to do this Okui Boonham stuff? It's ridiculous. It's Albert O. There's only one. I mean, at this point, I think we just call him Albert. Albie. I mean, how many Alberts are there? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Danny's already getting in here with his laugh. I mean, if you I say it. Albert, I already know who you're talking about. So. Yeah, Albert. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's Fat Albert and now Albert O. That's it. Those are the only two Alberts I've ever even heard of. <laughs> I'm just joking. Actually, I think I have a, my, my grandfather's named Albert. I mean, we're getting too deep here. I haven't even introduced my guests. I'm going to bring him in real quick. I'm going to bring him in real quick, but hold up. Danny Kelly is here today. I love it. Danny Kelly is from The Ringer. I mean, if you don't know what The Ringer is, what the hell are you doing in sports? <laughs> uh, Bill Simmons, I, you know, I'm from Boston. I've said it before. Yeah. I've been following Bill for the whole time. Like, I love it. Love supporting The Ringer. Having Danny Kelly on here is awesome. He's returning from last year. We had a great show last year. We did call Elijah Moore. So good job, Danny Kelly nice. and me. Nice. Yep. Danny Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me back on. Uh, yes. Also, thanks for commissioning our fantasy league, our dynasty league. Yeah. I'm hoping I can win this year. What a league. <laughs> we'll yeah. There's a, it's a great league. 14 team gauntlet and your boy uh, Justin Boone won it last year. I was so pissed. Yeah. He has a good team. I, I kind of went for the gusto in year one and, and mm. a couple of my guys really just didn't show up. So uh, it happens. It happens. It's a, it's a tough Why, league. Was he- Come on. Yeah, it's a tough league because it's 14 teams and it's deep. It's like 12 starting roster. I mean, it's just yeah, so yeah. tough to feel the team every week. Like, you look at your starters and you're like, you get thin in your starting lineup. Oh you're God. like, oh, Jesus. I mean, honestly, I I'm, I'm thinking about having to start guys like KJ Osborne and stuff this year. And I'm yes. actually kind of excited about it. That's how deep, like, this league is. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it's funny. You have to, like, really dig into, like, crates <laughs> to, get, to get starters. So, Kenny yeah. Galladay is happily in my flex. Like that's the kind of league it is. It's you're, like, you're set. Yeah, you're like, woo, that's a pretty good last guy in the flex there. I mean, Galladay, yeah. woo. Yeah. You know, it's like everybody meanwhile hates Kenny Galladay. Yeah, it's bad. It's a it's a tough league. So yeah, you're it's almost a little best ball-y where you're mm. kind of just looking for some spikes in the backside of the, you know, the flex spots. I mean, yep. you know, six points ain't it, but every once in a while, 13, 15 is kind of, you know, that'll help you win a week. So you're looking for guys who can spike little bit more tending toward, you know, uh, higher ceiling weekly outcomes for guys as opposed to just steady as she goes, right? Right, yeah. I mean, you have to have kind of like your uh, your studs or whatever, but um, absolutely. Yes. It's, it, it, it does have that little bit. Like, those big leagues have that where, especially when you're starting so many guys, it's like you just need, <laughs> like, guys to have a spike here and there. Um, yeah, someone who can pop off, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I love those kind of leagues, though. Like, big benches, like, lots of starter positions. It's It really makes you have to pay attention more to like what you're doing in, in your, on your bench spots. And like, you can't necessarily have too many guys that are just like sitting on your bench forever. You have to kind of like balance the win now versus uh build yes. for the future kind of deal. So it's a lot of fun. Yes. It, it is a yeah, different those deep, style. Those, those deep rosters tend to have guys like, but this is such a sharp league, but it tends to have guys like stash all these like guys who will never do shit. Yeah. And then they undervalue guys like, I don't know, like, um, uh, DeAndre Hopkins or whatever, but like Hopkins is like, he's a stud in this league. Like so happy to have him. If you have him, I might have him in one of them. I don't remember, but like, that's a guy like whereas in a sort of a standard issue, uh, shallower bench, shallower league, uh, you know, you look at Nuck and you're like, 
I don't really think I want DeAndre Hopkins on my team. Mm-hmm. Like, he, what am I going to do? I'm never going to play him over the two stud wide receivers I have. And he's getting old. He's suspended. But in that league, you're like, dude, second half of the year, I've got a, <laughs> I've got a stud coming in. Yeah, no doubt. Yep. It's fun. I'm excited to see how this kind of goes, too, because uh, this is a type of league where it doesn't really feel like there's a middle ground. Like, you have to either be rebuilding or going yes. for the championship. Um, yes. So it's going to be fun to see how this kind of, like, grows and stuff. Yeah, that's the thing is like year one is I always say it's almost like redraft. You know, nobody's mm-hmm. actually tanking. I mean, you know, it's just it, you just you're not. I mean, you, you're you only tanking by default when your guys get hurt or something. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm not winning this year. But it doesn't mean you're tanking because you might have a good team that's hurt or something. Like if you had McCaffrey and shit, you know, whatever. Right. So like McCaffrey and Derrick Henry, you're not like out of it this year. I mean, you could fucking be dominant this year, but you didn't win last year. So it's like that type of thing. So sometimes you have to really be careful about identifying what your team is. And then injuries just absolutely devastate you because there's zero waiver wire, no waiver wire. There's like no margin for error. Essentially. (laughs) That's right. You have to trade your way to a victory. There's no doubt or draft or whatever. Yeah. It's just, it's incredible. It's so much fun. Speaking of which though, speaking of uh, trading your way to victory, for those of you who follow me, and went Alberto. Some of you are feeling like, you know, giving up on Alberto. I was going to start with Alberto. It's not even on the show sheet, but I just tweeted about Alberto. And I don't know if everybody's in for the reasons that I'm in. And I want to clarify it one final time. I'll get your thoughts after I go on my short diatribe, Danny. Yeah. But here's the deal. So I'm going to just tell you after, this is just using underdog ADP. After Alberto gets drafted at tight end 16, which is late, you know, people will say, oh, I'd rather have such and such. And they often will give you a floor. And it's like, there is plenty of floor after that. Like if you're in a a managed league where you draft, there's 12 teams, let's say 20 people draft, uh, 20 tight ends get drafted. I'll even go past the next few and go to tight end 21. Are you ready for this, Danny? This is tight end 21 and on. (laughs) Noah Fant, Evan Ingram, Hayden Hurst, Austin Hooper, Cam Brait, Logan Thomas, Taysom Hill, Brevin Jordan. Like, there's plenty of floor behind yeah, there, yeah. potentially. I mean, you know, floor is going to be easy to stream. You're just going to be like, oh, look, this guy, Logan Thomas is getting six targets a game. Like, and Yeah, they're all the same kind of. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when you're drafting after, especially after like tight end 10 or whatever, all you're thinking about is potential ceiling. Because if yeah. the guy busts yeah. and is not ceiling, there's floor everywhere. <laughs> so why am I drafting floor? Like, it doesn't make any sense. So the case for Alberto has always been a ceiling outcome. And I know the one the one anti-argument that I'll take is, you know, mouths to feed, right? Mm-hmm. There's Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler and Javante and Melvin Gordon, of course, Sutton and Judy, right? So there's plenty, Dulcich. You know, I, I think Dulcich could take some stuff, but I mean – you know, is he going to take uh, as much as Alberto took from Noah Fant last year? Probably not. I, I don't know. Who knows? So I think that he, you know, the the Dulcich Alberto is going to take the Fant Alberto production from last year, but with Russell Wilson in, in town, you know, in general terms, right? Obviously, and uh, you know, I think that's fine. There has to be two tight ends. Not like he was ever going to be like, you know. 150 target t- right. tight end. I wasn't ever thinking that. It's more that he's a big play player with elite. Literally hundred percent, hundredth percent athleticism at the tight right. end position, right? And big plays are coming, and touchdowns are coming. And if he just gets a pretty good little solid piece of that, 
he has gigantic ceiling outcome. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean he will get there. It just means you have access to that in the mid-teens. That's crazy. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously, the everything you just said about Miles Defeat and Dulcich and, and Russell Wilson maybe not throwing to tight ends a ton in his career so far, um, I think that's the that's all baked into, like, his, his price right now. And so, For sure. You know, I think I absolutely am with you, though. Like, you're drafting for upside at that point. Um, and he is one of the highest upside tight ends in that area because, like you said, he has that elite athleticism, explosive plays. Um, and his routes per, uh, his his targets per route run is really strong. Like, everything yes. that you're seeing in, like, the baseline, the stats, like, the underlying metrics are all super, super promising for him. And it, and it gives you the idea that he could have this breakout that maybe people aren't expecting. Um I'm not really depending. I, I think I really like Dulcich long term. I'm not really expecting Dulcich to do much this year. Maybe that he surprises us. Maybe he will. Um, but for now, I, I could see them sort of leaning more on Albert O um, and having more, you know, guys that are experienced and know the system and and having all that together. And because and, they're obviously going for a championship, like that's why you trade for Russell Wilson. That's why you Absolutely. sell the farm. To, tr- to bring in a veteran. He's like, Wilson's not getting any younger. Like this isn't built for a long term. This is win now, win for, now. The, for the Broncos. And so I could see them really leaning on a guy like Alberto, who's been in the system for a couple of years now. Of course it's a new coach or whatever, but like he, he knows um, his job. He's more experienced. He's got the veteran um, veteranosity going on compared to Dulcich. who's probably still yeah. just trying to like pick up everything. So um, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense that he could have a big year this year. Maybe then, you know, down the line, who knows kind of like how this all goes, but um, yeah, I think I'm not too worried about Dulcich this year. I think this is time for Alberto to kind of like, you know, prove he, he is the guy and, and maybe yes. he will. Maybe that maybe then Dulcich will never turn into anything because Alberto's too good. Who knows? Yeah. And and I also equated this Albert O opportunity and and what he's shown in in shorter opportunities, uh that that efficiency and his upside and his athleticism and all those things. I've sort of went back four years when I called George Kittle a top five tight end, top three tight end when he was being drafted in a similar spot after his rookie season. And I wasn't, you know, I was kind of a little bit more bold and braggadocious. So I just called it. Uh, I'm not necessarily just calling Alberto. I'm just saying, you know, I understood back then too, even though I was just trying to be an asshole that, you know, there's a range of outcomes for Kittle, but in his range of outcomes easily was what he became, which was this sort of, you know, probably the best overall tight end in the league. Yeah. I don't necessarily see Alberto as that high, quite frankly. And I don't think I've ever even, I just said he has access to top five ceiling. I don't think he really has access to top one overall right. tight end in dynasty. I don't think that's there. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, you know, I'll take uh, George Kittle diet, Dr. Pepper. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and again, like everything that you look for for a breakout tight end is what Alberto has. So, yes, that's right. Might as well put a chip on it. And that's like, honestly, that's <laughs> the game here is like, we can't see the future. Obviously, you don't want to draft based on exactly what happened last year, but you want to take you want to synthesize the information that we have and yes. try and project that into the future. And I think everything about Alberto, like like you said, the, the range of outcomes is he could be a top five tight end this year based yeah. on obviously like 
things would need to happen for him yes. to achieve that. But yes. top five top six is like definitely in the realm of possibility in my mind. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, oftentimes there's a tight end. I mean, look at Bob Tunyon. You know, I think he was tight end mm-hmm. three or four when he had like 12 or 13 touchdowns. He had like 60 <clears throat> targets and like 15 touchdowns or whatever right, it was. Right, right. You know, literally, like it was like crazy. He had like less than 60 catches. I think he had like 50 something catches. Like he didn't do anything really, like yeah. except he yeah. had a bunch of touchdowns from a, a guy who likes to throw touchdowns from the one, you know? Yeah. And I think with uh, the, the, I guess, <clears throat> bull case would be like, I look at what Russell Wilson was doing. Um, during short, short stretches with like where they're trying to run a lot of up tempo stuff. And, and Wilson's talked about this pretty much every off season of his career. It feels like he loves up tempo stuff. He loves just doing no, no huddle, you know, spread the field out, see what he wants to see. And, and, and Pete Carroll and company didn't seem to really love doing that as much because no. a lot of times it leads to like, you're, you're doing a three and out quickly and you're not running the clock. It doesn't match with what you want to do on defense, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, <clears throat> P. Carroll's big on like physicality and toughness. Yeah, it's like he just doesn't right. think you can achieve. They're playing any, a different game. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. think you can make people hurt when you're doing that kind of offense. Like he's just not part of his uh, whole program, his philosophy. His philosophy. And so, but when I think about the short stretches when Russell Wilson was doing that, and when they had Will Disley in, uh, when Will yes. Disley has been healthy, um, you know he was passing over the middle field quite a bit. Like he was hitting Disley with like hot reads and things like that when they would have like a blitzer coming just up the seam stuff. And there was some real promising, you know, obviously it was a short, it was short sample and, and small sh- uh, sample size or whatever, but he did. There though. is, You're that, right. there is that like <laughs> precedent, I guess of him, like kind of like utilizing the, the tight end in that type of offense. So, and I again, also, this I also, is, yeah, I also it's, think it's a different offense, Danny. And also true. it's like, you know, someone, I, I made a dumb comment. Basically I was like, you know, Tom Brady doesn't target uh, tight ends very much either. Oh wait, except when he had a good one. You know what I mean? Like if you totally. think about it, like what <clears throat> what tight ends has Tom Brady made in his career? None except well, except one. Okay, the greatest <laughs> tight end of all time. Yeah, when he had a great tight end, he threw it to the yeah. tight end. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you kind of throw to the guy who's good and open. So yep. you know they've got to be good and open. It's not like oh this shitbag tight end because he's playing with this guy is going to be awesome. Now there's a little bit of that the running back position. Uh, with with uh, you know Phil Rivers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, guys who did kick it down to the running backs, but those are a lot of empty targets. You know they're sort of just wide open in the flat because you know it's a dump off. Right. Um, but that being said, you know downfield targets are earned. That's been a that's been a you know solved equation. And speaking of downfield targets, <laughs> holy smokes, Julio Jones. Yeah. I mean Tampa Bay Bucks. The Tampa Bay Bucks. I was thinking about this when I was writing the show sheet for us, Danny. I was like. Is there a bigger drama team than the Tampa Bay Bucks? Like, they're so like quarterback retires, then he comes back. Gronk yeah. retires. Now he's his girlfriend's coming back. You know, Coach and then they sign Julio Jones and Leonard Fournette's too fat. And oh yeah. my god, it's just so fucking awesome. Am I am I wrong here? This no, I mean is the this, greatest this, team. Fire the coach. I'm so glad he landed here. I don't oh. know because uh, of course there was talk of. Julio going to, you know, Green Bay or Indianapolis or whatever. But like to me, both of those spots are so boring compared to the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are just, you know, again, it's like, like you said, Tom Brady, all the retirement stuff this this offseason, like, um, you know, of course, they're going to be a Super Bowl contender, probably. Uh, yes. And I just like the also just the the variable. Like, oh, Danny, I got some I got some news real quick. Uh, They're already six and oh. I'm sorry. I just want to <laughs> chime in there. Yeah. That division, they're already six and zero. Let's I just know, move seriously. on. Seriously, yeah. Um, but it's also fun, like you said, with the division, like the rivalries there. Of course, going from Atlanta to uh, Tampa Bay, um, 
you know, probably hurts for a lot of Falcons fans, you know, and, and so that's just kind of another wrinkle to it. But um, that's true. It's just going to be fun to watch Tom Brady throw it to uh, Julio Jones. You know, it, <laughs> yes. that's just like, man, in terms of like random video game, like team building, yes. like get, get yes. me Julio on a Tom Brady team. Yes. Uh, that's fun. So that'll yes, be Yes, if Gronk comes back, this whole fucking thing is just yeah, bonkers awesome. I love it. Um, you said it though. It's like, you know, I think we're forgetting how awesome Julio Jones is or was. We're going to find out which one of those two things is true. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't all that great last couple of years, but he's been hurt. You know, I mean, someone talked about the splits. I'm not, I don't have them in front of me, but you know, last year when he, before he got hurt and then after yards per route run, the whole thing, he was pretty good. And then he wasn't, and he was healthy. And then he wasn't. And I know that's like same old, same old, right? Like we, we know that that happens a lot with this guy, but I wonder, you know, it's kind of a talking out of both sides of my mouth here because one way I'm thinking, well, maybe they'll like not use them too much and like sort of preserve them. But in doing so, his volume's down. Yeah, you know, so it's like I, I, you can't project him for a lot because he's too, he's a sports car. You, you know, you can only use him a little bit. Right. So there, there's a little bit of a, I don't want to say cap ceiling because it really isn't a cap ceiling. Let's face it. Right. Julio Jones with Tom Brady, if Julio's healthy and ready to go, like we've seen this with Randy Moss. I know he was younger mm-hmm. and more dynamic, and but you know we've seen this shit. And with Mike Evans and all sorts of Antonio weapons everywhere, yeah, yeah, right, dude. Like he could absolutely go bonkers. It's in the realm of possibilities, but I just don't know how long he can hold up. There's a lot of questions for me in terms of what I should expect. You know, sort of snap share. Because yeah. again, they're six and zero already. I, I mentioned it. I just don't think this team feels an urgency in the regular season, almost like they did with Gronk last year. It was like, eh, take it easy, bro. You know, well, remember he that, made the joke yeah, about that's, blocking. That's been, I mean, Brady. You know, <laughs> Brady's been around the block. He's gone yeah. to the playoffs like I don't know every, every season. Year. He's been a starter. Yeah. So, like, I, honestly, you know, you can't really even blame him for sort of looking forward and be like, look, this is, you know, let's not kill ourselves during the regular season. We're going to get to the playoffs, and then that's where things start to get real. Um, you know, so of course that's not actually true. Like they do need to like win in the, in the regular season and, and they the, do, and, but and they there's will. a lot of variance that happens and <laughs> yeah. they're already having injuries. Like Ryan Jensen got hurt apparently today. So that, you know, they've, they've been very lucky with the uh, health, um, the last year or two. And so of course all these variables matter, but at the end of the day, yeah, like they're probably going to the playoffs again. And so, yeah. um, I think, like you said, Julio, I can't put him too high in terms of a fantasy, in terms of what to expect from him, uh, the type of numbers to expect, just because, number one, he's behind Evans and he's behind yep. what looking like Godwin is going to come back sooner than later because he's not on the PUP list. It seems like a great, great sign that he'll be back, if not week one, early in the season. And he'll be, I think that they'll give those two guys like the vast majority of the targets. Um, however, like we can, did can see I last say something? year. Hey, can What's I that? say something, Danny? Yeah. Can I say something? If Godwin comes back week one and is dope, can we just throw away all injury analysis for the rest of time? <laughs> yeah. Can um, we do that? Can we agree? So, dude, there's it's so hard to do the the injury thing. Like that's why because it's so hard. It's so hard to like prognosticate how he, like, a guy's tore knee, both ligaments. Yeah, he, like, like how is this guy's knee going to react to you know, and everybody heals differently. Everybody has like different length of uh, rehab and all that. You know, of course, um everybody works different levels of hard or whatever. So, um, well, well said. Yeah. I know. Sorry. That was like butchered. Oh, like, hey, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, when it comes to Julio, he's going to be, uh, a, not a, not a primary option in the passing game probably. No. And, but I think like, even if he is, you have to bake in the idea that like he may miss time. Like this has been kind yeah. of the story the last two years. 
And I don't know, like if you want to, again, it's hard to predict injuries, but like, it's hard to see Julio playing a full year. That's why I think it's hard to put him too, too high when it comes to fantasy. I'm much more likely to buy into Evans and Godwin. I, you know, I think maybe Julio, if anything, just sort of muddies the, like the situation from those two guys, then then I think is like a thing on his own. Yeah. I think what, I think the line I expect on a weekly basis from Julio is like five targets, three catches, 62 yards. You know what I mean? Like, and that'd be like a lot. Do do you know what I'm saying? Like, like, yes. Like you'd be like, Oh yeah, he didn't do much, but Oh, did you watch the game? He had these three dope plays. You'd be like, yeah. Oh really? Yeah, that. Yeah, he he had a thirty yarder across the middle on a dig on third. What you know what I mean? Like, oh shit, yeah. really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He went up and you know it was like, oh okay. And like Gage will have like fifteen targets, twelve catches for eighty two yards. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, Gage, just, and then Gage is still there too. Yeah. There's just a lot of Mazafi in this offense. Yeah. Of course, he's gonna dump it off a hundred times to Fournette. It's um, so good. They're going to so, throw it 750 times now. Now that they have, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah, they threw it. it over 700 times last year. And I was like, you know, so, oh my God, it's going to be so good. So I think we talked about his ceiling. We talked about his floor, like his floor. I don't know. Like what, what do you think the, what, what is your sort of, when you think of like realistic range of outcomes, what are you, uh, injury aside? I mean, let's mm-hmm. not, of course, injury is the floor. I get it. But like injury aside, what's the ceiling? What's the floor? If you just had to like, put something to it. I think the ceiling would be something like he emerges as like a wide receiver too, you know, yeah. and, and he surprises everybody. He's back to vintage Julio. Of course he is a little bit older, but he's back to more like close to vintage Julio. And we see a, a situation like we saw with Antonio Brown last year, where there was times where Antonio Brown was like the number one receiver for this team yeah. last year, even True. with Mike Evans and Godwin. Um, yeah. I don't know if Julio is, is on the same level and then maybe, you know, like we'll be able to achieve that. But I think that's got to be the ceiling. You got to, like, right. we've, we've seen what Julio can do when he's healthy. Um, and then in, in terms of the floor, like he's the number three or number four option in the offense, I think. And, and he's yeah. not going to be consistent. He's not going to be, you know, the primary target. And I look at that more as like, he's like a flex maybe, or, or like, that'd be like the, the positive, like you, nothing more than like a guy you can plug in if you have like an injury or something like that. So if you were, if you were in a sort of standard Dynasty League, you know, 12 team, start 10, 30 man bench dynasty. Mm-hmm. Tough question here. Would you advocate spending to try and get him if you if you needed a flex play for no. the season? No. Do you think he's flex worthy? Like, would, like feel good? I would probably try and sell him. <laughs> sure. Exactly. <laughs> good answer. Um, good but, answer. Uh, no, he wouldn't be a target for me, probably. Yeah. No, just yeah. because I think there's too many variables. Um, I agree. And you're renting him for a year or whatever. So to me, that doesn't make, there'd just be a million other guys I'd rather spend like, you know, resources on than Julio right now. Yeah. I just drafted him in a, uh, we do this. It's like an FFPC style where you drop down to 19 draft back up to 27. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it was like a, it's a 10 team league. So there's 190 guys gone, you know, or kept. And then you're drafting uh, veterans and rookies in a rookie draft. And Mm -hmm. it's an eight round rookie or eight round draft. I guess it's, Mostly rookies, but of course you're filling your roster with other guys. Yeah, I got Julio in the seventh round of that, so oh, like, that's pretty good. That's fine. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you know, I'm thinking about like for sure trying to trade him in that league, right? You know, it's like right, especially course, just wait till know. he has like a big game or two, and then you can yeah, be, then you can really like maximize that. But that'd be like that's just my style, you know. I I'm not trying to like. I know that the, like 
it probably makes sense in a lot of cases to like just go all out and and try and win a championship in some leagues. Yeah. But I just I can't. I don't do it like that. I don't like to try for guys either. that are going to be gone like in a year, like that are literally going to be worthless in like a year. Uh, I me did either, it last yeah. year with Gronk, and I regret yeah. it. And I'm like, okay, I should just probably not do that anymore. Don't drop Gronk. Hang on to that guy. He's coming back. You think? Yeah. Oh, what are the odds? Like we're we're going there. Let's go there right now. Chances okay. Gronk returns in percentage value. I I've got my answer. Let me lock it in. Hold on. I'm going to say an answer right now in my head. Hold on. The chances he comes back. Okay, go. I got mine. I think 40%. I said 35. Yeah, it's okay. right in there. Right yeah. in there. 35, I thought you were going to go higher. I, so I, I think that's I, right, though. I think that most likely he's not going to come back. Me because, too. Because, like, if you looked at, the, I mean, I, you know, you can never really trust what athletes say or whatever. But <laughs> Totally. Like, the interview that he gave to, I think it was Mike Reese from ESPN, and he was like, look, Tom can call and I'll say, Hey, it's great to talk to you, but I'm not coming back. Like, I, I don't know if Gronk would say that if he didn't mean it. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know Gronk. I don't know like what his, like <laughs> how comfortable he is just straight up, like lying to people about yeah. it. But he, he really does seem to me like he's like moving on to the next phase in his life. But it, that it's said, one of those like, things though, when Gronk sees football, it's like, Oh, Gronk see football. Yeah, right, me like, want miss. play. Yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, me dude. miss. Yeah. <laughs> me um, miss game. I don't know. It, it, but it, like, it, <clears throat> it sounds like his girlfriend was saying he's probably going to come back. And yeah, and I love that. Answer. His agent is already saying he's going to come she back. She knows, so. man. <laughs> Maybe, knows. I don't know. Maybe they're just trying to like drum up interest in Gronk uh, and, and keep his so name good. in the news because it helps in your business ventures and all that. Like we saw this with Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, uh, for a couple of years where he kept kind of like coming back and talking about coming back because then he's still in the news. He's not just a retired guy um, and it helps your businesses grow. And like, of course, Mint, uh, Lynch had the beast mode stuff. And so I don't know what Gronk's businesses are, to be honest, but um, <laughs> like, I mean, we don't want to be in the news. We it don't want to be know. like on the tip of people's tongue, like people talking about you. It's got to be good for business. So maybe that's why like they're going to string us along or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know when I was looking at, when I, when I listened to that, that interview, cause my first reaction was like, Oh, he's coming back a hundred percent. Um, like, but then like, watching that the interview, thing, I kind of was just like, Oh, maybe not. All right. Quick, 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 second answer. Um, same percentage. How much do you, how much do you want him to come back? Like it's a hundred percent, right? I mean, of course you like, want him to come back. He's like the greatest tight end of the all greatest. time. Like, do you want that, that offense with like Kyle Rudolph, Cade right. Otten right, and right. Cameron Brait, or do you want fucking Gronk? It's an easy. <laughs> it's like so much better, you yeah, know. So like, yeah. all of us who are holding Gronk and Dynasty, of course, want to come back. But whatever, that's not even it. It's about like what's best for the game. Like the whole fact that we could have Julio Gronk. Evans, Godwin, Fournette, like this whole team with like team, still yeah. Russell Gage and Rashad White, and I just said the two names, Fournette. And Rashad White. I think the, the the Fournette stuff is a bunch of nonsense with the weight. Um, my yeah. buddy Rhinos just tweeted and said, uh, <laughs> Fournette showing up to camp looking real fat. And he was like fucking yoked. He looked great. Um, <laughs> it was it was a great picture. I'm just coming in just looking tight, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, are you fading or buying Fournette at his – let's talk redraft because we'll get mm-hmm. to Dynasty on this in a second. But in, in terms of like redraft best ball ADP, where's he going like – you know, mid second round. Are, are yeah. you in there? Yeah, I am. I really like Grant. Or sorry, I really like Fournette this year. I think again, it, it is the things that we've talked about in the last like couple of weeks is like, yeah, it's a little bit like when he came into training camp and it was like 260 pounds and you could see like he looked big, like yes, he looked, like he looked beefy, husky, if you will. Yep. Um, 
And so there was like a little bit planted, like a little seed of doubt. I probably moved him down like one or two spots, but I was not like moving him down significantly because I was like, at the end of the day, it's not how big he is or whatever. It's whether Tom Brady trusts him. And that was a huge part of the reason he was so good last year. It was a huge part of the reason he was a three down back. One of the few backs in the NFL that gets like massive volume anymore because Tom trusts him to be where he wants to be. He was good in the passing game. There was a talk of him having uh, clairvoyance or whatever with Tom Brady. Like he just isn't in the right position where he wants to be. And that's huge because Tom Brady, he's not messing around. Like this is what worries me a little bit about Rashad White, which who I love, by the way. Um, it's the same deal we were talking about with like Russell Wilson. It's like, this isn't like build for the long term. Let's develop young guys. This is like, let's go out and win a championship. And totally. he trusts Fournette to be where he needs to be to give him an outlet when he's got pressure coming up or, you know, pass protect or what, what, whatever it may be. Um, I just don't know if I see Brady like letting young guys come in and like take their licks and, and learn how to do that stuff when he's getting hit. You know what I mean? So totally. that to me is why I'm so high on Fournette. I think the the volume is going to come. Of course they gave him the money, which matters a lot too. Um, so I'm expecting a lot of volume. I think that, Rashad White is going to be super interesting because he's such a good pass catcher and maybe he can carve out a role um, as like a dynamic, you know, guy that can come in and like create mismatches and things like that. But I don't know if I'm going to trust him in redraft this year. I'm not going to really trust him to be like a consistent contributor. I'm with you. So here's the deal. So last year, like running backs on Tampa Bay, not named Leonard Fournette had about 150 carries. Yeah. Um, so I think there's still room for Rashad White, especially when you consider that he's going to be competing. Look, last year it was um, Ronald Jones. Right. And Ronald Jones had like 100 carries, um, was the sort of the number one guy out of that, out of the uh, behind Leonard Fournette. And I would say that, you know, he's gone. And then it's like yeah. Keyshawn Vaughn, who is widely regarded as a complete bust yeah um I, I don't know if he's that but he's certainly not better than what we think Rashad White is going to be so I think Rashad White has him clearly outplayed and then it's like the corpse of Giovanni Bernard or someone else they bring him in off <laughs> right. the street I don't right. think Bernard's okay I don't think he's better he's look the only way that Bernard gets on the field over Rashad White is if Rashad White is kind of a knucklehead and can't pick it up because That's he's so much more explosive yes. right yes like yes. it's it's all that so Rashad White has all that uh ceiling because I think he easily sort of moves himself into into running back two with any sort of like paying attention and getting his work done. Like if he's at all a pro, that's really what it comes down to. If he's mm-hmm. a pro, he's got a huge ceiling. And then look, I'm not betting against Leonard Fournette. I'm just saying I think Rashad White has some weekly upside. I mean excuse me, weekly um, you know, playability. Mm-hmm. And then if if this Leonard is Fournette. Thing. Yes. The if Leonard Fournette had gets a high ankle sprain and is out for like the rest of the season at like week 12 or something. It's like you league have winning upside. League yeah. winning. Like yeah. easily, like top five running back, like the targets that come out of there, the touchdowns that are going to get scored, his explosiveness and an offense with weapons all over the place. Like mm-hmm. Rashad White to me is 100% the upside swing in your draft. He, he may not do anything. Maybe that Leonard Fournette is healthy 17 games and Rashad White is just here and there. You never know when to right. start him. Right. But in a best ball or a deep league, I'll also argue, Danny, how many, you know, he might have a couple games with like five carries and like two targets and like, oh, that sucked. But he's also going to have games with seven carries, four targets, but 100 yards and two touchdowns, like somehow, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, just boom, boom, big plays, you know. So he's going to have that upside too on a weekly. So that's why I like him in best ball as well. 
What yeah. do you think about that? By the way, I mean, Leonard Fournette is being paid to be trusted too. You mentioned that they yeah. trust him. They're paying him like they trust his ass. Anyway, yes. go ahead. I mean, I think you put up, you make some really good points. And the thing that you kind of like forget or, or that you need to remember, I guess, when you're talking about the Buccaneers is they run so many plays. Mm-hmm. You know? <clears throat> That's the other thing is like, it's not like a normal situation where um, nope. the backup running back behind a guy who gets a, the vast majority of the carries is like not going to get enough volume because they, he Rashad white. And if he does win that number two job could get, you know, like fantasy relevant volume. So that's a really good point. Um, and uh, absolutely like in terms of like the handcuff value, like he's absolutely a guy you want to look for later in drafts, just because um, if Fournette does get hurt, like who else is there? Right. <laughs> so I don't, I don't trust Keyshawn Vaughn. No. I think Rashad white is more talented than Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, and, you know, I think Gio is sort of like a, a wrench in all this because of the trust issue. Like maybe Brady did lobby to bring Gio in last year. Maybe that's still there and it just kind of injury just kind of messed things up there. But um, I think there's a lot of ifs happening here with Rashad White, but I really do like White. And I think his upside is worth absolutely worth bank, like taking a taking a flyer on just because um, there's a scenario where he absolutely is like a league winner. Hey, to your point, uh Tyler Johnson last year was yeah. seventh on the on the Bucks in targets. Mm-hmm. He had fifty five targets. Yeah, they run <laughs> like, so many plays. They run. They score so many points. They run so many plays. So many passes. There's so much volume to go around. It's Tom fucking Brady. Uh, like just search we, all the teams. Yeah. yeah, just you search all the teams and look for the seventh most targeted player on each team. I would be venturing a guess that Tyler Johnson at fifty five targets was the was the number one seventh target on a team. Maybe I'm too low on on Julio now that you say that. <laughs> Maybe like, I need to move right? Julio up. I just don't yeah. know. Like, you know, um, you know, Antonio Brown only played like seven games last year. It's tough to look at him. You know, it's just I don't know what to look at as but yeah, <clears throat> I don't know, man. Maybe yes, he could easily uh approach a hundred targets without like playing a lot is right. my point. You know and I mean? it's, like, a, it's, it's a really, it's a tough discussion because I think the main thing for me is the injury like work. Yes. Like I just, of course. He, like, and the other thing is like vibes wise, like Julio's awesome, but like he's always banged up and he's like never practicing. And so it's just like annoying. Yeah. You yes. know what I mean? Like as like a fantasy manager, it's like, God, I gotta worry whether to start Julio again this week. Totally. The upside is definitely there. And like, maybe it's worth it because this is Julio. But, I will uh, tell you, I drafted him in the Scott Fishbowl. So, yeah. Nanny, I mean, nanny, but like nanny. best ball, fucking go for yeah. it. <laughs> like, exactly. Well, yeah. best ball, he you should have been drafting him already because right. he was free 99 in the last totally. round of your draft. Totally. That was when you, you're like, well, uh, Julio Jones has just as good a chance of doing anything as any of these other shit bags that I'm drafting here. And in, the, the other know, the thing 200s. is like maybe this in this world, I think it was last year. I, can't, I don't have it in front of me, but it was like, the, the target rates were like 18, 18, 18 for like the top three receivers in that in, in on the team. Um, yeah. And so like, shoot, maybe they're going to spread the ball out so much that like Mike Evans, Godwin and, and Julio are all kind of like getting the same amount of targets like that could happen. I could see that happen. Yeah, totally. Well, and I, I'm, I'm still dubious about this Godwin thing. Like I said, if this happens, I will just forever shut up about all injuries because, oh, you know, like, every, you, every, were you fading him for the most offseason and stuff? Yes, because yeah. all the all the, you know, people who knew anything about how these injuries heal with the ACL, MCL th- whole thing. They're like, <clears throat> no way he's back. It's late in the season. Like, didn't he yeah. do it in the playoffs or some shit? Like right before the playoffs, like week 17? It was late. I can't remember the exact. Late. Yeah. And it yes. was bad. So it's a bad late. I mean, it doesn't make any sense if he's back for week one. It just doesn't. Right. And if he is, totally. 
it's just all all this is done. Like James Robinson's back after like four months on an Achilles. Like the whole what, thing yeah, is just what is happening stupid. with all that. It's crazy, right? I so look up the, I, I don't know. Date here, but yes, um, it's like I was totally expecting James Robinson to like miss the entire year, essentially. <laughs> right, exactly. Like so, exactly. I, the, Godwin you know, tore yeah. his ACL December twentieth, December nineteenth. Well, like a few months. Yeah. <laughs> it's like seven months. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Anyway, so that that that's just ridiculous. So speaking of Rashad White, in yeah. 2022, who would you rather have this year, redraft, best ball, whatever, just this mm-hmm. year in 2022, Rashad White or James Cook? I think James Cook. Um, and the main reason is like, I think he has a real chance of like becoming the team's starter versus a guy like uh, White who needs injuries to happen. And I think Cook is going to have like a real role, a stand yeah. standalone role. <clears throat> and I know people. So like, obviously, the Bills tried to go sign JD McKissick, like it was a priority for them. They're really pissed when he ended up going back and signing sure. with Washington. Um, and then they took a guy who's probably, I, I think, more, much more talented, much more dynamic um, than than McKissick in cook. And and so I think they have a clear role in mind for him. I think that this is something that they want to do. I think maybe there's some, some relation to the idea that teams are like doing a lot more of the cover two stuff, like trying to have Josh Allen check down and, and have to dink and dunk. Maybe they're trying to get more explosive plays out of their running game, running uh, slash, slash running backs. Um, I think it all kind of like, they're telling us that they want a guy like this in their offense. Of course, for sure. Does that translate to like a fantasy role? That's the question. I think that's why Cook is more of like a mid rounder versus like a people are getting really excited about him type of deal. But like he was an early second round pick or mid second round pick, and you're on the best team. This is the same discussion. I mean, I guess it's a very similar discussion, but because the Bills run a ton of plays, they are a really good offense. They they score a lot of points. So you want pieces of the Bucks offense. You want pieces of Bills offense. But I think in general, I'd have Cook higher because I think he has a more defined role in year one. And, um, you know, there's a chance that he's just better than Singletary and takes his yeah. job. You know what I mean? So that, that's sure. like the thing. And Singletary is still there and that's going to be like a wrench in, I think, Cook's overall value. And they, they could end up just splitting time and it'll be kind of frustrating for fantasy managers. But um, they're I mean, they're not that different in terms of size. Like Singletary is more compact, but they're both undersized running backs. Like I could see a, role, a world where Cook is just a starter by week seven. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the simple story is the little brother of one of the best running backs in the NFL who went to Georgia, just got drafted by the most pass heavy team in the NFL in the second round. And he's a pass yeah. catching back. What's there yeah. to think about? Yeah. Like the narrative and the linear sort of thought that it takes you to James Cook is very easy to understand. However, you yes. look and say, well, he never had 12 carries in a game in his college career. Mm-hmm. He was never heavily used. Uh, the counter to that is always, do you know Georgia football, bro? Yeah. But I, yes, I do. I do understand it. But do you know, uh, you know, he's only 195 pounds, bro? It's like, you know, that may be why. Is he sort of, that's my only question, actually. I think he's very talented. I think he's got the lineage. He's, he's, he's dope. He's explosive. The question, the two questions I have one, is he going to be like, it's almost like you said it. They were, they didn't get McKissick, so they got Cook. Well, what's McKissick? McKissick's not a lead back. McKissick is a straight pass down back. So when they when when, when you acquire JD McKissick in the NFL, you're thinking, all right, dude, pass down back, locked up. That role's locked up. He's got it. Is that what they're doing with Cook? And then the other running backs are the other backs. Like, if that's him, and like even if Singletary gets hurt, they're like, you know, 
the corpse of Zach Moss comes in and takes empty carries and, <laughs> and Cook is still the pass down back, that limits his upside if he's pigeonholed in that role, which is very possible. That's my one fear. Number two, mm-hmm. uh, Josh Allen <laughs> doesn't throw the fucking running backs. Right. I mean, you know, not at a high volume, not to make him Alvin Kamara, right? He can't get there. You know, it just, I mean, of course he can. It's in the range of outcome. But, you know, it's just not very likely that uh, Josh Allen ever just starts to completely target the 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 running back. And, and of course, the other argument I've heard is he's going to play in the slot. Well, that one's tough because that doesn't happen very often with running backs, especially over. Yeah. Yeah. Like Jamison Crowder, you're going to tell me he's a better slot receiver right now and then than, uh, than, than Jamison Crowder and people are like, of course he is. But no, of course he's not. Like he's a rookie running back. Like yeah. Jamison Crowder is one of the best slot receivers in the world. Like probably the top 50 slot receivers in the world. You know, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like he's totally. not great, but he's fucking a professional slot receiver in the NFL. Um, so there's a, there's a few impediments for James Cook, but man, oh man, that you're right. When you think, if you were to tell me like he's the starting running back and getting, you know, 10 to 15 carries a game and all the pass down work. Oh my God, that's a big role, right? Yeah. And and I think like everything I said, everything you said, I totally agree with. Um, But in PPR and half PPR, you cannot ignore the possibility that he gets a big piece of this passing game. There's a lot of retorts to that assumption that he'll get a lot of uh, the the passing game. Um, But, you know, sometimes quarterbacks change. Sometimes they do end up like dumping off versus, you know, uh, taking it and running maybe like that's gonna be a big focus for josh allen because he doesn't want to get beat up or whatever like there's things right. happen um you know in in from year to year where, where quarterbacks change their philosophy they change their style it's like he's hey, not offensive coordinator yeah offensive we got a new offensive coordinator and i think again like listen to what the bills are telling us they'd want right. jd mckissick and then they'd went and drafted james cook like yep these things I think means something, but we'll see how <laughs> big, of a, we'll see how much it means, you know? Um, yeah. and I think like JD McKissick never really gets all that much respect, but like, I mean, I think in the second half of 2020, he was like a, like a RB, like a low end RB one in PPR. He was. Like he was yes. really good. And so like, if you could get a low end RB one, wherever you're getting James Cook in the middle rounds, like I'll take that. And I, by the way, I think he's better than McKissick. Like he's just more explosive. He's more yes. elusive. Um, he's more of a slasher. He's also, by the way, like they don't really have another running back like him. Zach Moss is a, is a grinder between the tackles, like grinder and single is, is elusive. Behind the, he's a bat- run into behind your, the tackles, run grinder. into your blockers or whatever. But, um, <laughs> yeah. and then of course, like Singletary is elusive, but he's not explosive. And right. so, um, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm very intrigued by what James, he's one of the most intriguing guys. And in fact, I have him as one of my sleepers on, on the yeah. record, uh, fantasy draft guide. Um, just because like the range, like the range of outcomes are like low end RB one. Just if, if everything falls right, I think yep. he could be an RB one. I'm not saying he's going to be, I'm not predicting that, but right. I think there's a world in which like that is attainable. And, and, yeah, and he doesn't world. need an injury to get there. Yeah. So right. I think he's super interesting and, and yeah. you know, I don't, again, I don't really think he's going to be a slot receiver, um, but everything we heard in the pre-draft process was like, he's a really good route runner he and is. he's going to have <laughs> higher value. I think he'll have higher value routes than just like, Hey, go into the flats and I'll dump it off to you. If that's no right. one else is open, like maybe he'll be yeah. running option routes over the middle of the field. There'll be, yep. and Georgia, by the way, designed up plays where he's like creating explosive plays, lining up outside. 
that's yep. not going to be a lot, but like you can you can definitely take advantage of some of the mismatches that way. And a couple a, times a touchdown here or there yep. is going to like matter. So yep. um, yeah, I don't know. He again, he's just really interesting. I'm, I'm I can't wait to watch him play, and, and I love Rashad White too. But I'm taking Cook over White this year. There you go. Well said. And does that mean that he's also ahead for Dynasty? Uh, yeah, I think they're right. According to my rookie ranks, which I don't have in front of me right now, but I can pull them up. I think they're right near each other. A couple pe- a couple spots above him. I think I have Cook. A couple. No, they're right next to each other. 13 and 14. <laughs> mm. So there, there you, you go. go. Yeah, 13 <clears throat> and 14 is fair. I think that's actually really, really great. I have them. <laughs> I have them 11 and 12. There you go. I mean, it's and like, I honestly, now, like, yeah. if I redid it, I might drop Christian Watson down below them or something. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Or Kenny Pickett. This is super flex for me. Um, super flex, yeah. So, I, yeah. I, I still think you have to have Kenny Pickett. It depends. Like, you know, I think, uh, I think, didn't I draft Kenny Pickett <clears throat> in our league? I have, I drafted Kenny Pickett in a couple of leagues. Like, I, I think I he's worth taking league. a flyer on. I, I, maybe he's never turns into anything great, but I mean, the Steelers are a good organization. He's got a good, People, he's got a good, uh, you know, uh, skill player core around him. Like things, like things could be good for him, and it, it get to the point where you're like, I don't want to say he's going to be like Christian Kirk or, or, or not Christian Kirk, but uh, Kirk Cousins. But like, yeah, he has that, you know, that style. Mm-hmm. I guess like that archetype of quarterback. Let me ask you this question: Not on the show sheet. <clears throat> Who do you think has a better chance of starting twelve games this year? Kenny Pickett or Jimmy Garoppolo? <laughs> that's a really good question. So we've Thank been dis- we've been uh, discussing this on our pod, the Ringer Fantasy Football Pod. I like to plug everything. <laughs> Please plug plug um, away. Basically, like uh, my two co-hosts, Craig uh, Craig and Heifetz, uh, have like a bet now of how many games Kenny Pickett's going to start because I, I Craig, heard that Craig, who is a Steelers fan, is convinced that Pickett's going to start like starting in week like five or six or something. So I guess that yep. would be like you know. Yeah, and Heifetz anywhere from like he's not going to play games, I guess. But <laughs> and Heifetz is like he's not playing a snap, you know. Right. I'm like uh, I don't know. Like first round rookies play later round, f- later first round rookies don't play as quite as often. That's true. Um, but I don't know. First round rookies play. Plus, it's freaking Trubisky. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like you, I don't know. And by the way, I think that they think they're a good team. I think they think they can win. Yes. And so if Trubisky is just totally fucking it up. I can yes. absolutely see them just turning to Pickett and maybe Pickett, of course, has to impress. He's right now. He's the number three. This is totally Steelers and, and totally Pittsburgh style, like make him earn the number two job, blah, blah, blah. Yes. But, um, I mean, I could see it. I could see him starting half the season. I think like eight would be what I'd guess. So back to the original <clears throat> question, Jimmy G or Kenny Pickett more likely to start 12 games. This year. Jimmy G, I guess. Yeah, um, I, that's the right answer. Because you know, he's done it. And I, but like, honestly, for what team? Like, that's the question. That's the bigger question I have. Is I mean, like, I think is, they're really, really close to where you are right now. <laughs> it would be so weird. I, like, I totally see what the Seahawks deciding if he gets released, absolutely yeah. deciding to sign him and see what's going on. But like the Seahawks seem weirdly committed to this Gina Smith versus <laughs> Drew Locke thing. Yes. They're like all in on these two quarterbacks in particular. I think we call that delusion. It's Danny. weird. Yeah. Like Baker Mayfield was not even really an option. Like they were like, oh, if he gets dropped, we'll sign him or whatever. <laughs> Maybe. But like, right. They had no, apparently had no interest in trading for Baker Mayfield. Right. Um, and so I don't know, like apparently they really like Gino. Um, I think that the lock thing was like, let's come in and see what he can do. And if he can really impress us and, and take his game to a next level, they didn't really think he was given a fair shake in Denver 
and you know, whatever, like you could argue for or against that. I think that's fair, but um, I think it's probably going to end up being Gino. And then, you know, if Jimmy G does get released, which it looks like that's going to be what happens. Um, I guess like maybe, I don't know the 49ers. Are All saying right. They're not going to do that. What but. about, what about if Deshaun gets a year suspension? What about Cleveland? That would be, I think there's a greater chance of that happening than the Seahawks. For some reason, I don't know why, I just don't really think the Seahawks want to get Jimmy G. Um, I could be totally wrong on that, but I just think they seem weirdly committed to this Gino thing. Yeah. I, <laughs> so I could see him, I could see, uh, you know, I could see Cleveland being an option. Dude, sure. I have Geno Smith as one of my most owned quarterbacks in Dynasty. I yeah. forget. He's like, it's yeah. like ridiculous. And it looks terrible on, you know, when I'm like looking at my portfolio, I'm like, right. Man, I wish I could have gotten off a few of those last year, but honestly, it's looking like obviously they're all super flex. Of course, I own Geno Smith in zero non super flex leagues, right? But sure. um, but like it's like, huh? You know, I mean, it's starting quarterback when there's twelve teams in the league or fourteen, sometimes sixteen. Uh, you know, if you have two quarterbacks, everybody has two. That's pretty much all of them. So yeah. any starter is kind of valuable. You know, um, absolutely, yeah, right. You know, so I mean, having him is like potentially either help my team get through, which is probably how I'll use them. Cause here's the thing. Everybody's afraid to trade anything of any value whatsoever for a guy like that. Cause he could just career over tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's always possible. But you know, anyway, speaking of what we thought career over, but he's back like the zombie is James Robinson. We talked about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. This guy, he mm-hmm. just keeps getting knocked down. I mean, undrafted walks through fire kills all the other running backs makes Leonard Fournette go to another team <laughs> then you know they draft Travis Etienne mm-hmm. he shoots his ass in the foot takes him out for the year yep. then he tears his own uh, Achilles and that won't stop him he's back on the side I mean this they guy drafted like, Snoop Connor to replace him quote unquote I would watch yeah. out if I were Snoop Connor I know right so I would yeah. watch myself I yeah because I I kind of feel uh, I don't know, not bad is not the right word, like a little dumb sheepish for basically counting James Robinson out this year. Like I just didn't think he was going to be back. I thought he'd start the, he'd start the season on the PUP. Um, they'd probably try and bring him back midway through the season. He just wouldn't be the same. And then, you know, 2022 is over. And then we're talking about whether he's ever going to have, you know, any like role in fantasy ever again. Like that's kind of what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. And now they're talking like he's the starter. You know, they're talking. I mean, I don't think yeah. that's actually going to like maybe. No, but the, that's right. Yes, the, I think nominally he might be the starter, oh, but I think they're going to use Etn more, and oh my god, Etn's going to have more numbers. But um, yeah, it does sound like he's going to be uh, a part of this offense, and it's interesting because like for years, and, and we've learned and and sort of it's been established that Achilles injuries are, not, if not career ending, it's like very, you're never going to be the same, right? You're not going to be the same athlete. We, we got to stop the injury talk now because everybody just comes back in four months. Fine. Everybody's fine. Don't ever worry about well, it. The again. science is changing, which I think we have to acknowledge. Of course, that's an important factor. Um, you know, anatomy can't necessarily change, but uh, the way that you deal with it, the way that you repair these things is like yes. you know, advancing and it's important to, to note that. Um, but I always thought, and I had thought before like a week ago or a couple of days ago, that the Cam Akers return was sort of an, an anomaly, an outlier because of the way that he injured it and the way that they fixed it. Um, Interesting. The way that it was explained to me was uh, repairing an Achilles is like tying the ends of like, you know, those mops that have all the different like strings on them, <laughs> yeah. You're connecting the ends of those strings on the mops together. That's what huh. like fixing Achilles tendon is or whatever. Like that was how it was explained to me. And I was like, wow, that seems 
fraught with lots of like potential like bad outcomes you know because right. it's like, i think it's and of course i'm not a doctor i don't know any of this shit so like take everything with a grain of salt but like it's not like an easy fix and right. one of the main reasons that acres was able to come back so quickly is the way that they did this operation was like sort of cutting edge and then he didn't lose he his his legs didn't atrophy because mm. they were able to fix it this much and so like a lot of times you see guys come back from achilles the reason it takes like a year is because you have atrophy in your muscles in that yes. leg and, or both legs. And then you have compensatory injuries happen while you're trying to like get back to where you were. So part of the yes. reason he got back so quickly was because he didn't hit his legs and atrophy. He was able to start working out. Like there was like video of him, like lifting and shit, like a couple months after the injury or less than Dude, that. That makes maybe. so much sense. And so that was a part of the reason that could, he could come back so quickly. And I was like, well, that this is just like a one-off. This is an outlier. Like we can't expect this to happen for everybody. Um, but man, now James Robinson is like back and he's not on the few P list. He's like apparently looking pretty explosive. Like, I don't know. We'll see. Obviously acres was really terrible when he came back so quickly, but there's variables with that too. Like maybe their offensive line was just terrible too. So that, that contributed to it. Um, and also, by the way, we haven't really seen acres do much like ever. You know, we have this potential. He has this potential. Everybody likes him. But, you know, James Robinson did it for a whole year. And so at least he has that baseline. We know he's good. Yeah. So I love James Robinson. I've I've been on record on this podcast when he was a rookie. I love him. I love him. Uh, The whole podcast loves him. You know, Michael P. Duncan. Michael P. Duncan loves James Robinson. (laughs) Undroppables love James Robinson. We all do. How much are we moving ETN down, if at all, in your ranks because of this, though? That's kind of the question I think that yeah. looms is like, obviously, James Robinson is a larger impediment to touches than was Snoop Connor. Mm-hmm. That's true. So it's got to be some effect on ETN, but I just don't know if it's a lot or a little or hardly any. What? Where are we at here? I think it, I think I moved him down just a little. It wasn't yeah. wasn't a massive move. In fact, I've got ETN really high. I've got ETN at the RB15 in my uh, dynasty ranks. I've got him. Let's see where I got him in redraft. I think that's about where I've got him. I've got him as RB16 in redraft. Um, and I, I'm pretty bullish on him because I think game scripts are going to dictate. Like He's going to get the valuable touches in this offense, whereas James yes. Robinson's probably going to not get as many valuable touches. And the other thing that I really like about ETN is, man, he was just such a touchdown scorer. I know that. There's a world maybe that maybe touchdown scoring is not a talent actually, mm. but I kind of think it is like a little bit. I think bit. so too. Yeah. Um, he scored like 78 touchdowns or something like that in his college career. Like he was just a touchdown machine. Has a nose for the end zone, as you as you might say. Um, but like the reason is he's really good. He's really explosive. He can get out in space and he can annihilate absolutely just freaking kill pursuit angles, which is a, a big reason that he was able to score so many touchdowns. So. His style and his um, his skill set, I think, is, is will make him a a guy that's like more likely to score more touchdowns than a guy like uh, James Robinson, who's more of like a just you know knock it in when you get into the one yard line, two yard line, three yard line, or whatever. So um, I still got ETN quite quite a bit higher, a lot higher than than James Robinson, but um, I do think that it, this isn't like something we need to we we have to completely ignore, obviously too, because. Um, you know, he's going to get, I think, a big chunk of this this game. I think, if anything, I was just a little bit I, – I wanted to see what Snoop Connor could do because I think he's yeah. kind of a fun player. Um, <clears throat> we are, we are not, pro not to take anything away from James Robinson. 
No, we are pro Snoop Connor on this pod, mainly for, and at the Undroppables, a lot of us, I think we had a, a fairly large exposure to Snoop Connor in the Scott Fishbowl. And uh, it was like, I mean, I got him in the last round yeah. of the Scott Fishbowl. So it's like round 22. So obviously not a guy you're drafting in your sort of standard redraft leagues or anything like that. You know, he was not going that high, but he was definitely a guy to keep an eye on, a guy to draft in your rookie drafts. And a guy that, hey, you know, I stash him as a fourth, fifth round rookie pick. And next thing you know, ETN's foot ain't right. You know, uh, even now, James Robinson doesn't quite make it back. We were a little too ambitious. And Snoop Connor has a role. So I, I still think that Snoop Connor and his path to relevance is not that much different mm-hmm. because, you know, it's always going to require some sort of an injury or some sort of missed time from the from the two injury prone players ahead of him, or at least injured players ahead of him. I don't know if they're injury prone, they're fucking injured right now. Um, yeah. you know, the, one has a foot, one has the, the, the Achilles. So, you know, that that's tenuous. We're yeah. hoping they're yeah. both okay. I would never root for injuries, but you have to look at it. So yeah, Snoop Connor was interesting. He becomes a little less interesting, I guess, just because it requires a little bit more. There's more know, of an ramp. Yeah. Yeah. Like he <laughs> yeah, he exactly. has, he's probably more like a 2023 guy, but yeah, like you're yep. right. It's, at this time of year, everyone's like, oh, he's not going to have a role. And then, you know, injuries happen to running backs right. a lot. And yes. all of a sudden, he's either the backup or he's coming in as a starter if both of these guys get hurt in front of him. And it's like we've seen this every single year. Um, yeah. So and he's an explosive. He's an early declare. He's very he's like a bowling ball, like stylistically. He's like really aggressive and physical. I could see that. And like, by the way, Doug Peterson loves him like rotate at running back. Yeah. So, um I mean, Snoop Connor is, is, a, is to me a fun sleeper, especially in like yeah. rookie drafts. I grabbed him in like so many fourth round rookie drafts. Um, yeah. So that I think he, you know he's not necessarily going to be a star, but yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a running back. There's a bunch of them. We argued this basically on this podcast that once you get past the top level, like you know, um, wide receivers in this draft, there's really not top level quarterback. Okay, so after Pickett, like you know, I mean, I guess you can consider some of the other quarterbacks, but basically once you're through the, you know, through like George Pickens, if you want to go all the way to Dotson, Watson, Pierce, Tolbert, okay, Tolbert, Bell, somewhere in there. Once that's gone, you know, you just smash running backs the whole rest of the way. Like mm-hmm. there's no real reason. And there's just a bunch of them, the, the Zamir Whites, the, you know, all of them, Brian Robinson, Snoop Connor, yep. Yep. Hassan Haskins. Like, I don't know which one will, I probably have a pretty good idea who's good or who's bad, but it almost doesn't really matter. It's just whoever finds the field somehow. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the Khalil Herberts from last year. You know, mm-hmm. you just sort of turned out he was the one who got on the field. By the way, Khalil Herbert was a, a lot better than James, uh, David Montgomery last year. Yeah. I, I, but it sounds like they're still burying his ass on the bench and David Montgomery's going to get all of it. So, <laughs> well, new coaching staff, right? So maybe that will change. I don't know. Maybe. Um, but you're right. Yeah. Like once, so Herbert came in and started a couple games while Montgomery was out and he looked was awesome. Dope. Like all his yeah. underlying metrics were strong. Uh, oh, I think better so than good. Montgomery. Um, yes. But when he came back, when Montgomery came back, it was like Montgomery show. Like he, Herbert barely saw the field after that. So um, it's crazy, right? Like, uh, you know, especially, you know, Montgomery in the second half of the season was worse than he was in the first half of the season. I just listened to, I think it was Noah Hills, did mm. a good uh, podcast on it. Um, yeah. Great pod. Just a quick one. It was very good. His most recent one, three running backs or whatever. And he did the, the, the Monty and Khalil Herbert stuff. I absolutely loved it. Uh, did you see the <laughs> rap sheet come out and uh, Ian Rapport and said, uh, yeah, J.K. Dobbins, uh, very iffy for week one, could be on the pup. <laughs> yeah. And then Dobbins comes out and is like, 
bitch, get my name out your mouth. I ain't going to be on no fucking pup. I'm ready. Right, right. And then the next day it was like J.K. Dobbins on pup. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the whole thing was, I thought was a little uh, bit funny so and good. silly because I, I listened to the rap sheet interview and it was like, I think he was asked about Dobbins and he was just like generalizing basically like, yeah, there's a chance he doesn't make it back to the regular season. It was like, duh, like no shit. Like he tore right. his ACL. Maybe he won't make it back. That's just <laughs> fine. Whatever. But I think Dobbins was like, okay, fuck this. Um, and then his response was essentially like, I might not go on PUP. I'm damn sure not missing week one. So we'll see. Obviously, he did go on PUP. <laughs> right. Um, but like Dobbins, to me, this is dumb by Dobbins because now you're creating yes. like you have to be ready for week one or people are going to like clown on you. Um, yeah. And it's just like having these artificial like deadlines for coming back from injuries. That's significant, serious injuries is probably not a good idea. Although exactly. I will say it sounded like I, I read a report. I think I, I think I read a report on Dobbins that he was like in the ear of the running backs coach all day yesterday, trying to get him to like go out on the field and like practice. And they're like, they're basically like having to like hold him back, like, like hold back your, your bro from the fight. I kind love of guy. Like they need like Dobbins wants to go fight somebody and they've got to like have somebody, uh, you know, holding him back. Essentially. That's how hard he wants to get back on the field. I think he's pretty close. I think he's going to be ready for the record. J.K. Dobbins is one of my favorite NFL football players. Period. Yeah, he's great. Like, he's in the Debo, George Kittle, like, I don't know, I just fucking, A.J. Brown, like, he's in there. He's in with those dudes. I love this player. Yeah. Um, I'm super dubious about, uh, you know, uh, his 2022, you know, uh, performance. I mean, mm. you know, he already had the passing down, <clears throat> up, uh, you know, downside, right? It capped upside in the passing game because of Lamar Jackson. You know, some of that split backfield, some of that taken away from um, uh, Lamar Jackson rushing, some of that taken away from his injury. Was he going to be – just so many question marks. It's like, right. oh, boy, that's right. not a very good chip to place. But right now, he's going at like like in the 70s. Like he, his ADP on like he's in a bunch yeah. of spots is like in the 60s but moving down. So that means a lot of times he's being drafted in the 6th or 7th. You know, that's pretty late. Yeah, Are you feeling good about – pressing the button on him in the sixth or seventh round. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm uh I don't know what the word is. I'm becoming like a, a Dobbins defender for some yeah. reason. People, like <laughs> obviously the situation does matter. And I think um, the idea that he's not going to be super involved in the passing game is, is definitely worth noting and it's important and it's not to be ignored, but like, I just look at him. I'm like, this is one of the most talented runners. Like I'd love him yes. um, from a running, like just his running talent. Also, the scheme is going to yes. allow him to like he's going to average like seven yards carry. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And so, um, to me, that's like enough to like. Obviously, he's not I, he I, he's not going to be like a top ten running back or whatever for me. But like, I would take him really easily as like my RB two, one hundred percent, because he's going to have so many yards. He's going to. I think he's going to score a lot of touchdowns. Um, he's just really freaking good, and he's in a system that there's going to be a lot of uh, you know volume to go around in the run game. And they're going to, what about up. the, what about the Dalvin cook, Saquon Barkley corollary of not drafting the guy after the first, the, the running back uh, the first year after his ACL. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is a variable that you have to keep in. And I think that's probably, I mean, it's a huge reason why he's, his ADP is like where it is. Um, yeah. Uh, for sure. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, I if mean, ever, if somehow or another, he was just a hundred percent healthy and ready to go. Like, I don't know. He's around three or four back. I mean, you know, it's just like easy, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. like you say, I, easy is, it is something to keep him. There's a lot of variables, like you said. There's a lot of things yeah. kind of like holding back um, the excitement, and, and they're good reasons. I'm still excited, though. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, like I'm still, re- I'm really looking forward to watching him run. Um, I think uh, 
just from what I've understand and, and what I know about him, like he's just like an insane worker. He's kind of on that, like, I don't know, you know, not, he, I'm not comparing him to Adrian Peterson, but like, it wouldn't be surprising to me if he had like a really quick recovery. Cause he's just like this insane athlete. Who's like, yes. Intense. You know what I mean? Like, yes. He's got that dog. In him, I, as they say. Like he, to me, he's yeah. just like, I'm like, if I'm bet on someone to like come back fast, like it would be a guy like Dobbins. Of course the injury was serious. So, um, there's, there's a lot of doubt there, but like, I just, I don't know, you know, subjectively, I'm just like, this guy's going to like dominate this year. Yeah. What was the, I can't remember the game of the like bowl game or something where he got hurt. I forget guys. I'm not a college football fan. Maybe it was like the <laughs> big 10 championship or whatever. It was some like game I saw. It was maybe the national championship. I don't fucking remember, but like he got hurt and still had like 180 yards rushing. Like he was dope. I He's, he's one of those guys when you watch him plays, he's, he's awesome. Sorry yeah. for not remembering all, all my college football fans are like literally face palming right now. They're like <laughs> this fucking guy. How does he have a fucking podcast? Like unbelievable, like unbelievable. Um, Dobbins going sixth, seventh round. Obviously, there's some other late round running backs. Let's tell the people some of your favorite, you know, maybe just past the dead zone or even in the dead zone because actually there's a couple of quote-unquote dead zone running backs that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, in some situations, I've I've drafted a few, especially like I did go wide receiver heavy in the Scott Fishbowl, which led me to some of my favorite and not as some of my not as much favorite uh, dead zone running backs, but you know, I, I felt okay, um, you know, grabbing a couple of them. I I was between Miles Sanders and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and I prefer Miles Sanders totally. And then Miles Sanders got sniped, and I took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And a lot of people were like, dude, Hilaire way better than Sanders, yeah. even though I have it the other way. But, like, to me, I don't fucking know. They're probably both shit bags, But, you know, that <laughs> right that late, it's like, oh, you know, they both have upside, right? Uh, so who are yeah. some of your favorite you know, late round running backs or let's start it off. Yeah. I think so on the, the Sanders tack or whatever, like, yeah, I actually think it's funny because he's, I've lost like all faith in Miles Sanders for some reason. Yes. Like I, I thought he was a really good running back coming in. I still think he has a lot of talent, but like the situation just makes me not very confident. I, so the guy I was going to mention is uh Kenneth Gainwell, who I think yeah. could in a world, not necessarily be the starter, but I think have like a pretty big role in this offense. Um, obviously be a big part of the passing game. He's kind of like the, he's like a version of, of James cook um, where he's more, he's like a very accomplished pass route runner. Um, yes. He's a good pass catcher. He's basically a slot receiver in college um, for, for a couple season there too. And um, obviously he can run the ball. He scored a lot of touchdowns last year randomly. Um and so maybe they see him as a uh, a guy to use in the red zone, give give uh, defenses something to think about because he has that pass catching ability. Um, so yeah, I think he's a, he's a very interesting sleeper to me. And of course, if injuries happen, then he could be pushed into like a starter's role. And I think he could handle volume. Um, he did it in college. So Gainwell is a guy that I really like. I'm not betting on Sanders a whole lot. I'm kind of skipping that Sanders. Um, I've got a couple guys in that tier, like Sanders, Damian Harris, like you said, CEH. I've got CEH quite a bit higher. I think I actually think CEH will have a good year. Um, and then like Elijah Mitchell, like that little tier of guys, like I'm just like a little leery about. Um, totally. <laughs> Leary's a, a good little, word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, so Gainwell's one that I really like. You mentioned Herbert earlier. He's another guy that I think is definitely worth betting on just because we don't know what the situation's going to be. Maybe they're going to mm-hmm. have like a, a committee there. And and it seems like Montgomery tends to get banged up a little bit. Um, Isaiah Spiller, for all the hate he got during the draft period, I think is like a good 
handcuff slash guy that's going to have his own like standalone a standalone role. Um, seems like they like him, and I think Eckler is not going to be wanting wanting to have quite as many carries and touches as he did last year. So like Spiller could have a pretty big role. And then the other guy that I really like is Ty Davis Price, who was a player I I really liked even before the draft. I thought he was going to be like a really interesting sleeper that would go in like the fifth round. And then the 49ers took him in the third round. And I was like, whoa, because this could be, again, the 49ers, and this is baked into his ADP, but like the 49ers are really unpredictable when it comes to running backs. Of course, we saw what happened with Trey Sermon last year. He he basically was a third-round pick, and then he didn't play, and you know he's basically in the doghouse all year. Um, I think there's a world in which Ty Davis Price gets a lot of carries because Elijah Mitchell is – not very big and not very trust, like not very reliable. He like, he was like banged up in like seven different spots last year. So like that, the worry that is, he's just not got the durability to be like a big time starter. So Ty Davis price comes in and be like, he's like the hammer. And then, you know, let Mitchell do his outside stuff and, and pick up explosive plays. But like Davis price could be like a goal lineback. He could get a lot of carries. And finally, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Davis price in the Trey Lance led offense where maybe yep. you're doing a lot of like zone read stuff. Maybe like yep. David Price feels like he fits there. So I don't know. I just think he's worth betting on late in draft <clears throat> or mid, like mid late, like 10, 10 plus round. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got him in round 15. Yeah. Ty Davis price TDP. We call him the serial killer, you know, cause all ser- serial killers have three names. Oh yeah. 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 You know, John Wayne Gacy or whatever, you know, yeah, yeah. they always have the three names. So Tyrion <laughs> Davis price is probably going to kill Elijah Mitchell. So he's, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, he's a serial killer. Um, but uh, you got, you got Isaiah Spiller, Kenneth Gainwell and TDP all in your Scott fishbowl team. So I see what you're doing. You're just sort of, oh, going did there. I? Well, I didn't even yeah. like realize that. So that makes sense. Yeah. That's yeah. your boys. I can tell. I just um, think it makes sense. Like, that's the yeah. type of guys I want to bet on late in a draft. Like I'd rather have that than some fourth string re- receiver or something like that. You know what I mean? Yes. Have those guys on your bench. Yeah, totally. And, and you know, I, I, I had, look, my, my list was a little bit earlier of some of the guys I had mentioned. Like, I think, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is one of them. Mm-hmm. We both roster Clyde Edwards Hilaire. You got him at the nine Oh nine. I think I'm at like the eight twelve or something. So mm-hmm. basically late, you know, yeah. very, very late. So, People are not, you know, I not into him right now. Yeah, totally. Right. And I get it. You know, that's, I don't blame you. I'm not into him either, but you know, I don't hate players. I hate ADPs. I don't think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is very good. I was making that case that Clyde Edwards Hilaire was not as good as a pass game player as Jonathan Taylor when they were coming out of college and people Mm. were like, dude, you're a fucking idiot. Well, guess what? No, I'm not. You know, (laughs) Jonathan Taylor's a more effective pass game player than has been. He's explosive. He can do more after the catch, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not a slick receiver necessarily, but dude, once he fumbles it into his hands, he goes once he triple catches it yeah yeah i don't give a shit you know it's like yeah he's open and because nobody cares about him and then he's gonna fucking run over your safety and score a touchdown um which he did by the way do you know how many touchdowns in 60 touchdowns 60 touchdown passes in college right joe burrow yeah right yeah do you know how many touchdown catches mr route runner had did he have any ch he had one 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 out of 60 jesus and like I think Jonathan Taylor had like five that year or something yeah. like that, and then they had like thirteen touchdown passes or something like that. Turns out maybe it. like Edward Solaire benefited a little bit from the fact Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase were running routes, and and, Bingo. and, and, and Marshall, Joe Burrow, and Terrence Marshall, and, and yeah, Joe Burrow's just like <laughs> spreading things out five wide. 
Yeah, he definitely benefited a little bit. I, I mean, I think Edwards Alaire has talent. Like, I do think he's, he's actually. Fine. I think he's pretty elusive. He's sort of in the in the Devin Singletary tier yes. in terms of like I think you're good, but not good enough to like hold off really good players behind you kind of deal. Like makes me worried yeah. kind of deal. You know what I mean? Like in terms of yeah. in dynasty, if they drafted a guy in the second round, I'd be like, oh dear, or He's third done, round. Yeah. Um, it, it'll still always be forever hilarious that they they drafted. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire over Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, and J.K. Dobbins. It's tough. It's like, tough. Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, how, you don't have to. Like, I'm a, some idiot in his mom's basement. That's all I am. I'm an idiot. I'm I'm a complete moron. You all know that. On draft day, I laughed out loud. I was like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. How can you take CEH? If you want that type of player, not take DeAndre Swift. It still makes no sense. Like, DeAndre yeah. Swift is – if. CEH was good. You know mm. what I mean? Like, wow, look, we have DeAndre Swift oh now. Could you, you imagine ima- DeAndre yeah, Swift? Yes. Can you God. imagine that? Oh, be fun. Anyway, I'm moving on. But CEH at at that point has tremendous value because yes. of the offense. You know, um, a, a Patrick Mahomes led offense usually has like ten plus running back touchdowns every year. Like, mm. now I'm not saying CEH is going to get them, but he. Damn well might. You know, it might be Ronald Jones. I don't fucking know. It might, you know, who knows? But somebody. And so you might as well put a chip on one of those guys. I was just betting on, you know, investment. And they've invested more with CH. I think Ronald Jones is making like a million bucks. Like, right. yeah, he's, he's probably yeah. a better runner than CH, but he's going to get less opportunity out the gate. So I like yeah. CH for that reason. The other player I, I really like, and I think he's very inexpensive, is, is uh, Chase Edmonds. Uh, what do you think about Chase Edmonds uh, this year? Yeah, I mean, I think that's – Again, you're you're kind of it's like the 49ers situation a little bit where I think they're going to run the ball a lot. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity there. They paid him the most, so he looks like the clear cut guy. Like it would make a hundred percent sense that he'd be the lead back in that offense and probably get some of the passing game too. Um, but the reason I think his ADP is where it is, and I think people are a little bit worried, is like you just never really know. Like it could be a committee, it could end up not even being the starter. Um, and so, and of course he was hurt a little bit last year. So that kind of scares some people away. There's a lot of variables that are kind of holding down his AP, ADP, but like, he's the type of guy who, if he ended up being, you know, like the RB 12, like, is that going to surprise anybody? Right. Right. Yeah. So, I think, you I know, think I, I don't pick. think, yeah. yeah, I don't think he's going to get a ton of carries, but I think the carries he gets are like, he is perfect for that scheme. Right. You know, you just talked about, you know, Elijah Mitchell, it's like going to a, the zone read is going to be not necessarily good for him, but what they're bringing to Miami is perfect for Chase Edmonds. Yeah, um, It's also perfect for Raheem Mostert. I get that, but Raheem Mostert's making like $75,000 and he's like uh, Chase Edmonds. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and he's broken. Yeah. It's just no way. Like, you know, if, if Raheem Mostert beats me, then so be it. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all in with, with Chase Edmonds at his price. I got him at the 10, 12. So basically the 10, oh, 11 turn. Yeah. 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 You know, it's like, Do what that. are we doing? I literally drafted, uh, I was at the end. I was at the, you know, the uh, 12th pick, right? So I had uh, Pollard and CEH at the 8-9 turn. Nice. And there was two, and I was like, between Edmonds, you know, he was right there. It was like Edmonds and like Kenneth Walker or whatever. I was like, oh, these four guys, I got to take two of them. I took Pollard and CEH, and then Edmonds made it all the way back around to me. I was actually very surprised because like yeah. he was like, Next on my queue, you know, so I got all three of them there, eight, nine, uh, eight, nine, ten, which felt pretty good considering, you know, I built my team without without running back. So, but like yeah, those that, are the yeah. types of guys. Um, Miles Sanders, I think the upside play, uh, Danny, has been, you can tell me what you think of this. Like, 
I, you had mentioned, uh, I used to like, um, Miles Sanders and he burned me so much that now I have PTSD. I argued that there's only two camps, people who liked him coming out and people who didn't, people who didn't are like, yeah, he told you he sucks. Fuck off. Like I'm never drafting him. People who did are like, but it hurts. So they're done. Right. So those are the, so everybody's out. Yeah. 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 You know, <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Right. Um, Nobody wants him. He told us not to draft him. You know what I mean? I'm like, this <laughs> that's is a bad sign. Like, of course you never want to believe, like I said, you never want to believe athletes when they say anything because some guys will be like, believe me, draft me for your fantasy team. I'm going to like dominate. And then he'll, he'll get like yeah. 25% of the carries or whatever. But, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not, it's a little disconcerting. <laughs> I think he's probably just sick of listening to people in his mentions talk about how he's like, fucking them over for fantasy or whatever. He's just like, look, just don't draft me. And I get right. it from, from I, if I was him, I'd probably say the same thing. Um, but it is a little bit, it is on, on like, honestly, a little bit concerning that he doesn't think he's going to get like a lot of volume. So it's crazy. Um, yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's disconcerting for sure. <clears throat> so I, I would rather, I would rather bank on one of the late guys, like whether it's Gainwell or even like a Boston is Boston Scott still there, isn't he? Um, yeah. So I don't know. I I'd rather do that than, than get Miles Sanders. Of course I have Miles Sanders on a couple of uh, dynasty teams. He's, to me, he's just like a hold. Can't really sell yeah. him. No, because you're not getting enough. Um, you can't for what sell he him. could be. Nobody wants him. That's my point. Yeah. Like and that's why like, he's so inexpensive. For him. <laughs> yeah. It's very hard to trade. So for me, it's like Miles Sanders, the, the upside case, look, is the same one we've given too many years in a row, which is why it's a little bit tired. But last year, man, he had um, checks notes, zero fucking touchdowns. Like, right. you know. And Boston Scott had like eight and, and uh, Gainwell had like six or five or six or something like that. It was just like really <laughs> random. Both ways. You can say, yes. well, that's because he's a knucklehead idiot who doesn't know what he's doing and they don't trust him around the goal line. So he just gets the empty carries between the 20s where he can be explosive and they give it to better players in and around the end in, the, in and around the goal line. That's one way of looking at it. The other way is, I don't know, maybe there's some regression there's coming. And maybe they'll trust him more. Maybe yeah. he was this, you know. So I get it, man. There's a lot of downside. But had his had his at his draft position, the upside in a run first offense where he has been highly efficient and explosive in that offense. He has like, yeah. I mean, he's a good, that's player. a fact. He creates, right? explosive you know, plays. and he creates explosive plays in the passing game, which is, yes. I think people kind of forget that from his rookie. I think his rookie year. He had like a bunch of explosive plays yes. um, down the field. So I'm like, I'm like keeping a candle lit for him in dynasty. <laughs> I'm yes. avoiding him in redraft, I guess is the bottom line. Yeah, it's bad, man. So, I mean, I, I, I haven't been successful in drafting him anywhere, thankfully, <laughs> but I've been advocating for it. Right, so right. maybe that's just a little bit of testing my will in the real drafts. Um, I, I tweeted the other day about Cordero Patterson. Like, everybody's talking about, like, um, Tyler Algier and, like, there's nothing else back there. Like, so a fifth round, like, there's nobody there. Can't it just be Cordero Patterson all over again this year? I've got him ranked... I think over ADP, I haven't checked lately, but I, I mean, I was like, bull, I'm bullish on Patterson. I think number one, yes, they're going to utilize him in the run game, but I also think he's going to have a big role in the passing game. I mean, again, they don't have a lot of talent in the receiving game right now. It's like basically Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and and a bunch of uh, people that, you know, I don't, you know, who knows who the next guy up is going to be. Like, it could be Auden Tate. It could be uh, Zacchaeus. I don't know, but I, maybe it's just Patterson. And so I really like him. Um it's going to, you know, I think training camp, it's his ADP is probably going to stay depressed because he's, they're probably not going to use him a lot in training camp and preseason, right? Because he's a yeah. veteran, he's over 30. They're probably just going to like manage his workload 
And so he's, I think, I mean, we'll see, but like his, his ADP might continue to like be pretty low. Um, but I think he could be, you know, he was like the RB seven or something last year when he was healthy. Yes. So, or like higher. Um, and the high ankle sprain that he sustained, it was like tail of two seasons. Basically it was, you know, he was really freaking good before he got hurt. And then, you know, as we've seen a million times, like his ankle injury, I, th- I believe it was an ankle injury. Um, basically messed up the rest of his season and he couldn't really come back. He was not the same player uh, as he was earlier. So yeah, I like, I, I like Patterson. And again, it's like um, there's a couple other guys worth like taking late round flyers on in that offense, but like, or, or in terms of running backs, but like I, I bank on Patterson getting a lot of it. Danny, but let me ask you a question. This one's going to hurt a little bit. Oh, no. This one's going to hurt Ugh. in PPR. Mm-hmm. Who's going to score more points in 2022. Cordero Patterson or Kenneth Walker or Rashad Penny? <laughs> Which one of those three guys um, is going to score more PPR points? And isn't this funny? Because I bet you if you looked at your rankings, you probably have one of those two guys ahead of Cordero or not. Tell me. No, I don't. Uh, let me see. There we go. No, I do have Penny a couple spots higher. See? this is. But do you believe that? Yeah. Yes, it's I, so think so. I think so. Uh, tell me about it. Here's the deal. I'm very high on Kenneth Walker and Dynasty, but I think it's Penny's show this year. Um, I think I think Walker is going to get you know his opportunities to to be sort of like the one B or like the backup or whatever the complimentary back. But oh, fuck. man, the way that Penny ran last year, I think it compl- number one, um, it was the reason that they drafted him. I think that was a big part of it. it the explosive plays. That's a real big thing. Is like if you're running the Seahawks style offense. Um, where it's a lot of ground and pound, you want to protect the football, you got to get explosive plays on the ground. Like that's crucial. And um, Penny was able to do that. Like he did that at an incredible rate down the stretch. He was like one of the best running backs in the NFL. And if he can stay healthy, which is a big if, but if he can stay healthy, um, I think that is the key here. And so uh, I would put Penny as the clear cut 1A in the Seahawks offense. And that's why I've got him ranked up there. Um, but I think Patterson, you know, is a couple spots b- below. So does that mean does that mean that you are a little lower on Kenneth Walker at this particular point? Yeah. Right now in 2022, I'm not yeah. super bullish on Kenneth Walker. I think longer term. I think Penny's on one year on a one year deal. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to keep him around. Maybe they will. It could happen. Uh, but like long term, I'm really high on Walker because I think he is. Uh, in terms of archetype, he's kind of similar to Penny. He's got the explosive playability, and that's yeah. the reason I think they like him so much. Is you know, he can make guys miss. He can contribute uh, as like a heavy, like a, a high volume kind of guy, but also he's going to create explosive plays on his own plays where they need those types of plays. If they're going to be like this ground and pound, you know, very run balanced type of team that that's relying on like a game manager quarterback. Um, you need to create explosives on the ground. Like Pete Carroll's talked about this for like 10 years, like explosive yeah. plays on the ground. If you create an explosive play on the ground or any explosive play, it's like, you know, your odds of scoring on that drive go up exponentially. It's crazy. So um, I think that's like a big deal to them. And and, and I'm not, honestly, like if you look back and, and I know that Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. He was playing well down the stretch too, but like Penny was freaking insanely good down the stretch last year for the Seahawks. It like changed, it legitimately changed their offense. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm, I, for a long time, honestly, I was like, you know, my Seahawks friends will tell me, or would tell you like, I was completely out on Penny. Like even when he was playing, I was like, this guy's not in any good. And right. I completely 180 last year. I see why the Seahawks liked him. Um, Cause the, what he's he was explosive doing, man. And he mm-hmm. like, 
his combination, he's, and I, and I don't say this lightly, but like, it somewhat reminds me of Debo Samuel. He's like a thick, big guy with lightning quick feet and acceleration. Yes, that's right. He's not the same player as Debo. I'm not saying he's Debo. No, no. Please yeah, I know what you clear. mean. But stylistically, like he's a big guy whose feet are fast and he can accelerate when he sees like, yep. like a gap in the defense. Um, that so, was it. Yeah. So that, that was why we loved him. That was why we loved him coming out. I mean, yeah, yeah it was the small school and big running lanes. It was the Daryl Henderson, right, and, you right. know, that whole thing where you're like, well, I don't know if he's any good. Look at all the space he has. But like, he's he was a good a returner. returner. Yeah. yeah, he was a returner. Like he showed that he was a, a dynamic player with the ball in his hands. And that's mm-hmm. where you get that Debo, uh, you know, comp is yeah, yeah. a dynamic player with the ball in his hands that he was. And yeah, I'll give you that. I, you know, the the thing with Penny, of course, is that injury and sure. the fickle nature That's of the of, yeah. of the of the Seahawks and the low volume offense. There's some questions there, but I, I like yeah. the Penny call, man. I, I don't know if I've got the balls to go out and say it, but I, I do get it. <laughs> I think I'm probably um, one, way above ADP on Penny. Um, I got him at yeah. RB22, and that's probably mm. yeah. It's like I think his ADP is RB32, so I'm like really high on Penny. But I think got it's, it. I think it's because, um, basically what we saw down the stretch last year. I think people are definitely still worried about the injury situation, which is very valid. But um, yeah, I, I I think he has a chance to like really do some stuff this year and and be involved in the passing game a little bit. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. So one of the guys I'm obviously super excited about. I, I think I sent you the uh, the video of uh, David Andrews running down and giving his Mondre, you know, <laughs> yeah. yelling for my boy yeah. Ramondre Stevenson. We were we were hyping Ramondre. I think I went back. I think it was the January seventh pod of last year. Mm. So I was like, you know, we were talking about Ramondre Stevenson. Like Ramondre's been this guy. It's not just because he plays for my hometown Pats. Like. He's just got this really like, you know, tantalizing upside yes. that, you know, he was Juco, he was suspended, he was fat, he was, you know, but you know what he was is productive with these quick feet and soft hands and mm-hmm. faster than he looks. Like mm-hmm. he broke that run down the sideline, you know, where everybody's like, Wait, that who's that? <laughs> yeah, who's that motherfucker? Oh, that's Ramondre. Yes. You know, he's he's fast. He's sneaky fast. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, so he's he could be one of these sort of bell cow backs that, you know, just sort of like in two years will be like, you know, yeah, he's a top 10 dynasty running yeah, back. It's yeah, possible. Yeah. So I moved him all the way up to RB 27 in, uh, in dynasty. Mm-hmm. And I think that's coming from the fact that, you know, Damian Harris hit perfect last year and still was not anything really positive for your, for your team because he doesn't catch passes. Yeah. So while I think Damian Harris and Ramondre will come close to splitting the sort of the workload on the ground, I don't think one of them will have a tremendous amount more than the other. I don't know who will have more, probably Damian Harris, but I do think Ramondre is going to have an opportunity to take control of the pass down work, or at least have a, a, a say so in the pass down work. Yeah. What do you say about that? Yeah, I agree. I, I hope so. I mean, I really hope so. The 40, or sorry, the Patriots are tough because you know, they constantly rotate. It's, it seems like they're fickle in terms of if he fumbles or something, he could get yeah. in the doghouse. <laughs> right. Don't like, fumble now. Thing is like, move, yeah. you know what I mean? But yes. Um, and by the way, they drafted two freaking guys in the draft more to like add to the, to the pain. Um, but I think talent wise, you can see it. You know, he can, he makes guys miss. He's a big back with light feet and shiftiness to make guys miss in a phone booth. We see that every time. Um, and then also he can create the explosive plays and he did, he did so at a very high rate last year. So there's a lot of things to really like about this. And, um, 
if he can get the volume, if he can win that passing down role, you know, the upside is massive. And I think also, by the way, it's we're relating this to the offense in general. I think that the Patriots are on the right trajectory offensively, you know, under Mac Jones. I think that's important. So, you know, you're kind of like trying to project where these guys are going to be in next year or the year after, even like halfway through this year. Um, and like you said, I think Ramondre could be kind of one of the guys that people are starting to talk about a lot because I think he's just good. And I think also, yeah. uh, Damien Harris is probably not going to get re-signed. So I agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, that's I'm, why I got, I, got him him dynasty. R- I got him at RB 30. So I'm just a few spots behind you here on in, in dynasty. dynasty. Yeah. Yeah. I think, but I think that's it. I was like, I had him in the mid thirties. I wasn't really sure. And then I just kept moving him up, moving him up, moving him up. And then I moved him up just the other day and, and someone asked me on Twitter, they were like, well, is that because of the camp reports of him catching passes? And I was like, that just kind of confirms it for me. Yeah. Like I thought that was maybe where they'd go with him because he's so skilled at it. And if those are the reports, well, I want to be ahead, not behind with Ramondre. I think he's the more dynamic back out of Damian Harris and, and himself. Mm-hmm. And then you're right. you got Kevin Harris, who's a late round pick. Pierre Strong, who's a small school guy, both rookies. And I think James White is broken. Uh, it, it pains seems me to say way. that. It seems that way, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's sad. I'm not, you know, it's brutal. It's a brutal fucking gladiator sport. I'm, you know, crushed for him. I hope he's okay. But, like, I just, it's like Chris Carson, you know. Like, I, I had zero, I, I never thought Chris Carson was coming back. And he, of course, sadly retired recently. Right. I think we're going to see the same thing from James White. These guys just really brutalize their body. And they have to be so, it's like, oh, he's probably okay. You need to be better than okay. You need to be fucking elite totally. and ready to go. You can't be like, ah, my hip kind of hurts. You know, that's not right. going to work. Right. So I think he's done. And I think that opens up something for one of these guys in the past game, obviously. Some people have been talking about Pierre Strong, but he wasn't a, he wasn't a, a very good pass catcher uh, in college. Mm. Maybe he is one. We'll find out. But Ramondre has proven it. Yeah. Uh, maybe this is part of me just not being all that high on Pierre Strong. Just, you know, my pre-draft process I, I just wasn't as i think stoked on him as a lot of people are the speed is certainly there but like yeah know, i just didn't see it quite what everybody else saw um i actually liked uh kevin harris a lot more yeah, than me too pierre, pierre strong so we'll see what happens with that but i think pierre i think kevin harris is probably the long-term sort of replacement for damian harris and i then, agree and then ramondre has this opportunity to be like the I agree. back slash pass catching down back type guy yep. who's going to get like the valuable touches it's always going to be a committee Yep. probably in new England. Yep. Um, yep. But he could have a good valuable role. So, yep. um, yeah, I think, he, you know, he, I was like probably too excited about him last year. So I'm tempering my enthusiasm this year a little bit. Cause I got over my skis, I think a little bit with Stevenson love last year. And he, yeah, you know, he played and he was impressive, but Harris was always well ahead of him. Um, and this I, and year, I think, the, you know, I think the two running backs being drafted in this draft speaks to, first of all, kind of the way, Bill wants to play, which is a little bit more of a ground and pound. But Mm -hmm. even if they were going to pass the ball a lot, you need running backs. And I think this speaks to the fact that they knew James White was probably not okay. Mm -hmm. And they also don't think they're going to re-sign Damian Harris. So it's like, well, we need to, you know, restock the cupboards. And we got this, and they need to be faster, that's for sure. So they got faster with with, uh, Pierre Strong. Look, I think Pierre Strong is fun. I, I, you'll love this. Like we always talk about floor and ceiling, and one of the famous uh, players. Do you remember the kid from Washington State, uh, James? What was his name? Oh, Williams. Fuck. James. Uh, James Williams. Yeah, remember? Mm-hmm. James Williams, and everybody was like, he's going to be the next James White. Yeah. yeah. Right. He never played. He a never down even like in, made a team. I don't think. Yeah. 
never made never made a team, never played it down. So I always joke that the the range of outcomes for Pierre Strong is somewhere between James Williams and uh, Jamal <laughs> right. Charles. Right. <laughs> it's like somewhere in there, somewhere between James Williams and Jamal Charles. I think that's, that's basically right. his range of outcomes. That, that sounds accurate to me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going to be right it's, on that. Yeah, that's somewhere in there. That's why. That's what I see anyway. That's just you know expert opinion here. I think it's somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah. But it is funny that he does have this sort of ceiling craziness where you're like, wait, he could be dope. But I agree with you, like small school, the whole thing, like, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, moving on. Quick question. Do you do a a, a, a fantasy 150? Like uh, Evan Silva has inspired me to do the fantasy 150, which is my top 150 redraft. Do you mm-hmm. do something similar or do you cut it off someplace or? Um, do you, in terms of just making the breaks? Yeah, redraft, redraft, yes. top one hundred and fifty rankings. Uh, we have, I don't think it's published, but I've got it. We we basically combine the three of us, Craig, uh, Danny Heifetz, and I uh, combine yeah. our ranks, and that's like our rankings that are published. But I have them sort of just written down, and and for my knowledge, and yes. it's not published. Yeah, yeah, I I I have not published my one hundred and fifty either. Um, we do have them on the site positionally, so we have our redraft rankings uh, positionally. Mm-hmm. Um. But I've been kind of, in, again, inspired by my boy, Evan Silva, who, by the way, did you see him in his cowboy hat at the wedding? Yeah, just swag-tastic. Fucking yeah. dude, man. I mean, when you talk about GOAT, it's so <laughs> yeah. evident. He's like, I mean, he's like the biggest influence on it, pretty much everybody in the di- in the fantasy industry. Dude, I he's like. my favorite. So I fucking love him. Yeah. I mean, and he's so kind, and I fucking love him. I yeah, can't even. Hundred percent. If I do any more, people start making fun of me for being such a <laughs> bitch. So I'm just gonna shut up. But listen, in my 150, it's like I've got a guy on the Patriots who I'm not sure if I should have him in or out. Okay. Devonte Parker. Yes. He's That's on the bubble. What do you think about Devonte Parker? Uh, I think so. I've got him in my top 150. Um, get him at one thirty eight, I believe, or one thirty seven. Dude, I have him at one forty. There we go. So yeah, so, I think he's got a chance here to be the number one. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of uh, you know ambiguity in terms of what's going to happen in this passing game. It could be Jacoby Myers, it could be Devonte Parker, it could be somebody else um, who kind of ends up being the lead lead guy in that in that group. But I think Parker has the talent. He's got the size. Um, yeah. I think he'll fit well with what Mac Jones does. And, you know, he's an aggressive passer who will put it where he wants it to be kind of deal. Yeah. Um, and then Parker, you know, he's, he's been, he's struggled with injuries, of course. And, um, you know, he's, I think out of, uh, he's out of fashion, I guess, in, in terms of like the analyst world, people don't really think he's that good anymore, but he's, he's put up pretty solid numbers. Um, you know, over the years and, and especially even last year, like when he was healthy, like he, he, he was fine. So I, th- I think he's got a chance to kind of revive it here. Um, of course I'm not like crazy high on him, but I, I, I do recognize that I think in this offense, especially if it gets more, a little more pass heavy, if they spread things out a little bit, if it changes a little this year, uh, he's got a real opportunity. Yeah, I told, I totally agree. I mean, it's very interesting. Cause like he was kind of one of those like top 30, he, he, he you know, he was, well, he was coming out of college. He was, you know, first round rookie pick and then yeah. faded and then got himself back into the top 30 wide receiver in dynasty conversation at one point, you know, like I forget what year. I mean, I drafted him in a startup and he was fringy, you know, he's fringy and it was like, Oh no, he's going to be good. It's that, that third year breakout thing, whatever. Like he kind of held on and then he fell again. And like, he's been, I don't know. It's like, like a Sammy Watkins type of career with this guy. You know, it's like 
tantalizing, right. but like right. maybe he's not any good or, but then you're like, Oh fuck, look, he's good. And, and so, you know, maybe it was situational. And whenever these type of guys go to a new place, just like when Sammy Watkins did, we all get a little like, Hey, is this it? Is this like, right. are we going to see it or, or is he just a bum? And so I really don't know. And, but for those reasons, I'm really up and down on, on Devonte Parker and just with so many weapons I wouldn't I don't know if I'd call them weapons but so many sort of muted weapons you know in in New England like Kendrick Bourne and they just drafted a guy and Jacoby Myers and you know the two tight ends and yet and they're not going to pass much and it's like well maybe there's just not enough there anyhow even if he's quote-unquote good you know that's the other fear right and it could be somebody different every week you know knowing yes totally um, yeah yeah I mean that's why his ADP is where it is but um I do think he's good. He's trending right now. Maybe it's, is this because I uh, said his name out loud? It's like the algorithm, like Alexis. The algorithm. Yes, uh, this is exactly right. Yeah, he's trending on my Twitter right now. I guess he's doing well. He's doing well. Really? In the training camp. Yeah. So there you go. Fucking a. Contested this is like the yeah. It's like when you went wild. this when you, yeah you start talking about a <clears throat> uh, furniture for your house, and next thing you know, you're getting furniture ads. The fucking internet is that smart. Knows we're talking about it. Boom. <laughs> It's unbelievable. All right. I, I, we're going to play a little this or that. So I'm going to start by doing this with uh, Devontae Parker, even though this isn't on the show sheet. You got to be cold on this one. So we're going to go cold open and All then right. go on the ones I already gave you some prep for. Redraft this year, not dynasty. This is redraft take. And then we'll go into some dynasty stuff. All right. Redraft. I think I did it dynasty. Am I an idiot? Did I do it dynasty? Yeah, Dynasty. But Are we we're doing do Dynasty this or redraft? redraft? This is Redraft? No, this is Redraft right okay. here, but the on the show sheet it was Dynasty. So check it out. Redraft this year. Devontae Parker or Tim Patrick? Patrick. Devontae Parker or Jalen Tolbert? Parker. Devontae Parker or Kenny Galladay? <laughs> Galladay, I think. It's Galladay. so fucking weird, isn't it? <laughs> Devontae Parker or Nico Collins? Parker. Yeah. It's so he's in there though, right? It's a, this that's is like the right his spot. Range. Parker and Gall. Yeah, that's the right range. Remind me of each other. Because like yeah. let's see, who do I have well ahead? Um yeah, because then it's like, you know, then it's guys like, you know, Julio Jones, Kadarius Tony, Garrett Wilson, Jarvis Landry. It's like he's well behind that. Yeah. But like after that, there's a bit of a fall. Like, what about Devontae Parker or DJ Chark? Probably Parker. Uh yeah. Yes, Parker. I'm actually looking at my ranks. I've got Parker and Patrick right next to each other. They're cl- me too. I got Parker yeah. and Patrick back to back. Uh, what about um, MVS or Parker? Uh, speaking of right next to each other, he's the one right before Parker. So MVS. Right. All right. So we just you know I just I, that's I'm a fucking you're in psychic. the right I'm zone. Looking- like you you grouping that real well. Yeah. It's like man, I don't know. Like when you're there. It's hard because some of these other guys may have – I don't know. It's like who are you pressing the button for right. when you're in that zone? Because you can say Parker, Patrick, whatever. But like when you're there, you're like – you can only kind of take one. You know, you know what I mean? Right. You're not going right. to – you know. So it's like I like Tim Patrick a, a, a little bit. I love Jalen Tolbert. He's actually the highest on that list. And I think it's just because of upside. Although yeah. if Gallup is going to get back on the field as Godwin and – some of these other guys are being told I'm, they're gonna. Mm-hmm. Then that 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 limits the Tolbert upside. Yes. For me, Tolbert was a, a six week play, and hopefully just plays his way into targets for the season. Right. If he's not, you know, if he's if he's competing with Gallup and Lamb early, it's gonna be harder. Yes, absolutely. 
yeah, it's going to be harder. So we'll see. Uh, I'll be lowering Jalen Tolbert if we get good news on Michael Gallup. That makes sense. All right, here we go. This is fun. This is Dynasty. Who'd you prefer? Okay. All right. So we can, and the first one, kind of interesting. So the first one, who would you prefer in Dynasty? Jalen Tolbert or Michael Gallup? I think I know what you'd say. I'm going Gallup on this one. I think because I'm kind of a Gallup guy. I like Gallup. I think he's really good. Um, and they obviously re-signed him to be, you know, the number two or whatever there. I think they have the long-term vision with him. So I'm going Gallup. I have them back-to-back in my rankings. Oh, there you go. And uh, I have Tolbert one spot ahead. Yeah. I actually comped Jalen Tolbert to Michael Gallup. I know. So I think uh, I did too. Like, they have very s- similar style. Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. Body size, the whole thing, everything yeah, very yeah. similar. So yeah, they're back to back in my <laughs> dynasty rankings. So um, neither one of them very high, but they're both there. Right. You know, and I think it's all a, a matter of I think they're very similar players. And I think that's why they drafted them. You know, it's like totally. You know, Play that that's what they need. You know, um, DeAndre Hopkins or Michael Thomas <laughs> in in dynasty in dynasty. Uh, I got to go with Michael Thomas, I guess, just because he's younger. Um, although I will say, like, I just feel so out on Michael Thomas in general. Right. He's the kind of guy that I'm just like not interested in drafting. I think, of course, he has the upside. He has the ceiling that you can probably not find anywhere around where you're getting him. Um, but I just don't trust it. I just don't trust it. I think there's more. It's, it feels more likely that it'll like get banged up or nicked up and just like decide not to play the rest of the season or something like that. You know, also what is this like 20 month ankle recuperation? What is that? Yeah. What is going on? I have no idea. Um, the whole thing is weird. The whole thing is weird. Cause then he was like, even talking about, he wanted to get traded. Um, I, I really don't know. I mean, he just doesn't. It's so strange, right? Yeah. It, he just doesn't seem like a guy that I, I would want to trust. And, and therefore, I just wouldn't take him in any draft. That's why I think it's DeAndre Hopkins. At least I know, like, pretty much. Yeah. The end of this season is going to be pretty awesome for DeAndre Hopkins, I think. Like, right? Maybe I, maybe I, maybe at like the top of my head, I just was wrong. I'm going to actually look up my dynasty ranks right now. They're back to back for me, which is so hard. And I think they're the same kind of guy. There's like a lot of uncertainty. (laughs) They're both gigantic. (laughs) Are they really? Gigantic. A lot of this stuff. I got Hopkins one spot higher than Michael Thomas. So I guess actually, yeah, I want, I want the older, I want the younger guy just sort of like reactionary. Um, Hopkins is only about a year older, so it's not that big of a difference. Yeah, these are the, the whole reason for these questions is they're kind of compy players like, yeah. you know, Tolbert and Gallup are comp. Hopkins. All right. DeAndre Hopkins. I, I want him over, of course. You know, so I'm good at this. Um, two Alabama guys who were about as high level prospects as you could imagine. Amari Cooper or Jerry Judy in Dynasty? I think this this is not a cop out because but I do think it depends on what type of team you're building. Like, are you building sure. for the long term or the short term? Um, my, I would lean Judy. Me too. Um, but again, it does, it does kind of just matter like what, how you're building. Um, I think if, uh, obviously if it, Deshaun Watson stuff matters a lot and like, you know, we'll find out kind of what's going on with that. Um, yeah. Soon here probably, but I, I'm looking at my ranks. I've got Judy a few spots below Amari, but I think that's not that like, of course I think, Rankings are sort of guidelines and it depends on what type of team you're building. If you're wanting to win now, obviously I think Mari Cooper is probably more valuable. Um, but I got, right. well, I got Cooper wide receiver 28, Judy wide receiver 30. 
So I have them both at 33, 34. Mm-hmm. I've moved Cooper down, 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 down. I've been a little bit behind consensus on Judy the whole time. Yeah. Um, and moving Cooper down, I keep going, excuse me, I keep I keep asking myself, like, would I rather this guy or that guy? And every time it's the other guy, not not Amari. <laughs> And yeah. like I'm like fuck, so I guess I got to move him down. And then I looked at him like right there with Judy, and I'm not that high on Judy. And I'm like, God, man, like if we knew that Deshaun Watson was playing, he would move up five yeah. or ten spots or right. something. Because like that's a that's gonna be fun. But I think the without me is like assuming that Watson's uh, a suspension's not gonna be as big as people think it should be. Gosh, that's. Yeah, it's so that's not probably be why I've got him a little bit higher. I, I, you know, yeah. but like I, I do, I think it does matter a lot. Obviously, how, yeah, how much totally. he's gonna be missing. Totally. Yeah, that that's exactly correct. So I mean, it, that's probably a little bit of a tough tough question. But two two USC guys that I've comped to each other, not direct comps, but similar. Amon Ross, St. Brown, or Juju Smith Schuster. A lot of people have this wildly one way or the other. I'm much closer on these two players. Who you got? Uh, I got Amon Ra. I yeah. think um, that's I'm, the consensus. I'm quite a bit higher on Amon Ra. Yeah, than, there you go. There it is. I, yeah. I don't really, you know, this may end up looking t- stupid, but like, I just, I don't know. Like Juju hasn't shown us anything in like two years. And that, that totally. is like, to me, very worrisome, of course. And and he's now paired with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's still young. There's definitely some upside there, but like, I've just found myself not really drafting Juju. Um, here's my question. Get the volume. Here's my que- here's my question, Danny. You you get Juju Smith Schuster in his first two seasons. He's amongst the greatest wide receivers of all time in production in his first two seasons, yeah. especially at that age. And then the last two seasons, you're right, not good, but is injury and Big Ben <laughs> circa right. totally 2021 are those good enough excuses for you to see past those two seasons? I feel like it's not for most people. They are just like out on Juju, and I'm not saying I'm like, oh fuck, Juju's man. I'm just saying like, yeah. isn't it possible he's way better than that? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Right, and this is like a great situation for him to turn couldn't be better. Around. I think. It's not only the so it's the injuries, it's the Big Ben situation. I think those things are very valid. To me, one of the biggest worries is the NFL seems to be out true. on Juju. That's true, uh, and that I I would not say like normal like it is important to follow the money. In, in every case, it's not true. Not every case is true, um, but the fact that the NFL basically seemed not to be very interested in Juju, uh, you know, I think it's yeah. like pretty concerning and maybe for sure. And in, in dynasty, even though like coaches and, and GMs are wrong all the time, like in dynasty, like having a one year deal or whatever he's on like that adds a lot of uncertainty. And that's why I'm pushing yes. down. So that's um, a great answer. I think, you know, I do. I think it's, would I be surprised if he has a big comeback here? No. Right. But I think a lot of those like concerns need to be baked into his ADP. Yep. Or his rank. Yeah, you're right. Th- this season is going to spell either like a big win on Juju for for those of us who have kind of been, you know, holding out a little bit of hope and and getting him above ADP mm-hmm. or it's going to be like crash. <laughs> you know, it's like because well, if, he, like, if, if he, he doesn't, doesn't succeed do this year, year, he might be out of the NFL like legitimately. Oh, so bad. So right? that's like uh when I'm building my fantasy my dynasty rankings situation and longevity and like the amount of runway that they have to be on your team. I do not want to have zeros on my team. Right. You know what I mean? I don't want to have untradeable players. (laughs) And Juju could be a hundred percent like untradeable after this year. 
Yeah. We dropped No doubt. Yes. <laughs> right? No doubt, brother. So that's like, that's a, that's a really important kind of like context. I think to this is, is, you know, the upside is definitely there, but the downside is scary. Yeah. He'll no longer be an undroppable. I, I agree with you hundred <laughs> percent. Hey, another, another USC teammate situation. I love these in dynasty. This one's so good. I fucking love this question. This is hard. It's good, right? Yeah. Drake London or Michael Pittman in Dynasty? Who you got? Such a good one. I'm going with Drake London. Oh, great. Like, uh, I'm probably going to end up looking really wrong on this, but like, I was sure. never really super high on Pittman. I think he's in a great situation and the opportunity is going to be there. Um, and I think he's a good player. Uh, but I would just rather go with like the elite elite upside Drake London brings up. I mean, maybe Pittman's going to have elite elite upside too. I think they're both like good. They're both high. Of course. Yeah. Drake London wide receiver 14 Pittman wide receiver 18. So they're both yeah. top 20. Um, but I would yeah. prefer London <clears throat> just, just because I think he's more talented really. Yeah. I've got London and Pittman back to back at 12 and 13 in my go. dynasty ranking. So yeah, I, Pittman is like, if I, it's funny because I've said this so many times, Pittman is going off at like uh wide receiver. I, I'm going to look real quick right now on um, underdog, like right this second. He is, let's see, 10, 11, 12, 13. He's the thir- wide receiver 13 in redraft, basically, you know, mm-hmm. best ball. Yeah. Right. So like if he is that, <laughs> right, and he's point. also 20, whatever, yeah, yeah. two or three years old, like he has to be a top 13 dynasty. Right. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you're taking him above the guy in redraft, you have to take him above whoever you're taking him above in dynasty. Like he's going ahead of DJ Moore in redraft. Yeah. Well, he's younger than DJ Moore. So uh, I have him behind DJ Moore, but shouldn't he be ahead? Of, you know what I mean? If he's, he's going a, ahead yeah. of Jalen Waddle totally. in redraft. He has to be ahead of Jalen Waddle in dynasty. Like what the fuck, you know? I mean, that is, yeah. And that is like assuming the wisdom of the crowds is, is correct. Agreed. Right? But like I, I totally see what you're saying. Yeah, I think yeah, you, it's like, a very important like point. It's a very good point. Maybe I have Pittman too low there. And uh, but like again, with your rankings and and a lot of the time, I think and, and Silva does this. It's like we you want people to get the guys that you like, so you rank them higher. If people Bingo. are following your ranks, yes. If someone's following my ranks, they're going to get the guys that I'm higher on because I'm higher on ADP, and I think it's important to move these. So that like you're you're doing something yes. with your ranks is rather than just going and, and like recreating ADP. Right. Kind of deal. You know what I mean? So um, I think that's probably why, what I was like going for here. Like, I just prefer, I just, I honestly just like, like DJ more, more. I like Waddle more. I like McLaurin more. Um, I like a guy like Mike Evans. Again, it depends on what type of team you're building. Um, Yes. Because you're not taking Evans over Pittman if you're, you know, wanting to build a long-term winner or whatever, but totally. uh, Yeah. So that's, I think again, Guidelines, guidelines versus like look at my, like my rankings and make sure you pick the guy that's yeah, yeah. It's like, no, yeah. It just gives you an idea of where to guy where guys should be valued. I think that's right. I'm way ahead of ADP on Juju, but I would never take him where I have him ranked. I would exactly. absolutely because I don't have exactly, to. You exactly. know, I would never pay that price. Mm-hmm. It's just where I have him based off of what I think is going to happen. But helps you, you know, find wrong, value if you're drafting. If you're if you're following along good. with my rankings, you can see where guys I think are valuable. Yeah, yeah, you can wait around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, take a guy just behind him in my rankings because his ADB. Right? Yes, totally. Be smart. Don't just fucking take the next guy. That's right. Uh, speaking of taking the next guy, boy, oh boy, New York Jets, Zach Wilson's mom, the whole thing, man. <laughs> I fucking love this. 
This is my favorite story, Danny. Yeah. Like just Zach Wilson piping his mom's friends is to me unbelievable. Like it's unbelievable. His girlfriend saying it on social media. Like this just brings me joy. Like this whole story, <laughs> you know, he looks like he's 12 years old yeah, and yeah. like literally just hammering home his mom's like chums. You know what I mean? Like yeah. unbelievable. Uh, it's just so good. BYU, everything, all of it. It's just fucking delicious. <laughs> well, now he gets to choose the fate of Elijah Moore versus Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Which which one will the chosen one choose? Man, this is so tough. So uh, good, right? And I honestly, you know, if we had, if, if like you really felt passionate about it, you could probably talk me out of this, but I've got Elijah Moore slightly ahead of Garrett Wilson. Yes. Um, and I've got him at 21 versus Gary Wilson at wide receiver 23. So I think that they're close. I basically am just like, they're the exact same yes. age almost. Um, yes. I'm more just like, I really was impressed with what I saw with Elijah Moore. Maybe it's just, he's done it in the NFL and yes. that counts for a little bit more. Like there's just a little less risk, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think Garrett Wilson's really good and his skill set's incredible and he could end up being really good. And, 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 you know, obviously like he's a top 10 pick or 11th maybe or whatever it was. Um, and, you know, based on that, maybe he ends up being way better at pro. Yeah. I could end up looking dumb here, but like, I think just baking in what we know right now, baking yeah. in a little bit of the risk of guys coming to the NFL and bust. Like, I just think Elijah Moore uh, showed that he's legit. As a rookie. Yeah, I agree with this take, by the way. Yeah. It's the it's the safer choice, right? Because yeah. we've seen him do it. It's possible that Garrett Wilson can't do it in the NFL. It's not very likely, right. but it's possible right. that he just can't quite be elite. And he's sort mm-hmm. of a this or that. You know, it's possible. Not likely. I have him back-to-back in my rankings as well, yeah. uh, 24 and 25. And Elijah Moore slightly ahead because of the reasons given. I've seen it. It's po- it, Look. If you said one of these guys goes for 1,300 yards over the next thir- three years, one of them just does it. One of them doesn't. Like, I don't know. Elijah Moore's as good a bet as the other dude. Yeah, yeah. Right? So the ceiling is there for either one of them. I actually like Elijah Moore a lot. We both liked him a lot last year mm-hmm. on this very podcast. We were singing the praises of Elijah Moore. Um, so might as well keep that train going and just hitch our wagons. Keep yeah. it rolling. Yeah. That's how I feel. It's unfortunate. I, I, I kind of just wish Wilson had gone somewhere else. I know. Totally. <laughs> but uh, this is the world totally. we live in. It's, yeah. We never get what we want, damn it. Gronk, come back. Um, this one I love, man. This is like, um, you know, the the good team wide receiver three or the bad team wide receiver two. Mm-hmm. They were both sort of last year, third round rookie picks. Like, you know, they, they both have a little bit of tantalizing upside. Um, Josh Palmer... Yeah. For the Chargers versus Nico Collins at the Texans. Yeah. Which one of those two dudes you got in Dynasty? I got Palmer by a hair. It's funny. You keep you like I think we're pretty uh we're pretty well like we have a similar close. ranking. Like pretty close on a lot of these rankings. I think we see eye to eye on a lot of these guys. Um, yeah. I've got Palmer three or two spots ahead of Nico Collins. I've got him one spot ahead. So, <laughs> so I'm with you. Um, but I like Palmer actually. I think obviously in a short, short term, uh, he's probably going to need like an injury to have like a huge year. Whereas Collins could maybe have a big year without an injury. Cause he's like the number two. Um, but I yeah. think Palmer, you're sort of betting on the longer game because he could end up being the number two really pretty in short order here. Like maybe in like a year or two. And then you're attached to Justin Herbert for, X amount of years or whatever, depending on if they, you know, extend Palmer. Um, but I think he has the opportunity here to be like 
uh, you know, the number two option in a really good offense, like a, like a really high volume passing offense with one of the elite quarterbacks. And so in, in Houston, I just don't really know. And I also, I think I just honestly liked Palmer coming out a little bit more than Collins. Um, you know, he was very impressive. His hands are very impressive. His route running is impressive. I know his numbers weren't very strong, um, you know, volume wise at in college, but he, you know, just, he just feels like a pro receiver. Um, so I, I just like Palmer a little more situations a little bit more and, and he's a little bit younger. It's not like a big difference, but, um, there's that. Yeah, totally. I'm, I like it. Um, I just moved one guy up one spot and flip flop these two players just now while you were talking. Nice. You ready? Yeah. So Tyler Boyd versus Jacoby Myers. Uh, that's a good question. I think I would go Myers. Yeah, I just moved him ahead of Boyd. Yeah, I, I think it's tough because Myers is like the the outlier of outliers in terms of not scoring touchdowns, and maybe that's just who he is. But um, yeah, he's a good route runner. He's in theory potentially going to be the number one. I think Boyd does not. Boyd will never be like anything but the number three in that offense. Right. Exactly. So ceiling that's like is capped. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. At the floor, they're similar. At the ceiling, Myers got some. Yeah. 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 That's right. That's the right answer. What about uh? either of those two guys versus Jarvis Landry in dynasty? Uh, good question. Thank you. It depends on the type of team. I would not take Landry in a startup probably. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, if yes, that makes exactly. sense, like in terms yes. of trades and in terms of if you want to win now, um, I would probably take Landry and I have Landry right below Boyd um, in Me my too. rankings. <laughs> and so, you know, he'd be the third guy on this list, but I think in, some teams in the way that you're building the way that you want to win or whatever, like he's a really nice cheap option that he could get, you know, a hundred plus targets this year. And I wouldn't blink at it. Um, so he's a, he's, he's the type of team like a, like a contender flex that you can just use as like a floor guy, but he's not someone I would draft over, uh, you know, I would draft a lot of guys over Landry. Yeah. Dude, I feel like we could go on all day. I was going to say all night, but we would actually, (laughs) if we kept going, it would be all night. It's like, we're like, I don't know, a couple hours in, who knows what I, I, we're, we're rocking and rolling. You're so awesome. I'll do, I'll do this. We'll finish on this. Okay. So this is the one I'm going to ask one more, this or that, and it'll take us into just, I just want to hear a couple of your favorite, uh, rookies this year Mm -hmm. and maybe a couple favorite fades just real quick. We'll have like two seconds on it. I'd love to hear some. See if the if if the, the 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 guys I've been touting or some of the guys you've been touting, but I'll ask one: mm. Who would you prefer in Dynasty right now, George Pickens or Jamison Williams? Oh man, Williams! Yep, Williams. I got I got Pickens. I it's so you know, close though. And yeah, they're close. Like it's it's also very difficult for me to not buy into some of the hype we're hearing about Pickens right now in camp. So cool, right? <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? I think I've got, and I'm, let me just pull up my ranks right now again. Um, I think I've got JMO just a couple spots. I've got Jamison higher on my ranks, but like Pickens is going to be moving up here, I think, pretty quickly. And so, and of course, we're not going to see Jamison Williams until November, maybe even later. So, um, so if you're looking at your rankings, do you have Pickens and Jamison Williams ahead or behind Brandon Ayuk? Uh, that's a good question. So let me switch back to my dynasty ones here. I was looking at my rookie. Yeah, check it out. Ayuk. I've got, so I've got Ayuk a few spots ahead of Pickens. Yep. Um, I've got Ayuk, Pickens, and JMO all back to back 40, 41, 42. 
and I don't know what to do. I, I'm thinking about moving Pickens ahead of Ayuk here. I think I'd rather have Pickens than Ayuk. Look, here's the it's thing with Pickens. Close. Yeah, is there any world in which it's like, yeah, he just flamed out of the league? I just feel like he's like going to be. I don't know. He's going to be like hashtag good. Do you know what I mean? Like Ayuk? just good. Like maybe not great. I don't know. Are you like, talking about? No, I'm talking about Pickens. Oh, Pickens. Yeah. Like he's a run blocker. Like he he's killing fools. He's cuckoo. Like he's a cuckoo bird. Like I love the fact that he's crazy. Yeah. Like he don't give a I shit. I don't want that, right? Yeah. Yes. I just think he's going to be good. Like yeah, he's yeah, just going to yeah. be like, yeah, whatever, dude. I play NFL. Fuck you. Uh, like I'm good. Yeah. I could see that. This, these two are, this is a good comp because I think we're both hearing really good things about both players right now. And both players yeah. right now are, in theory, the number three option in their offense. I think yeah. Pickens probably has a runway to be like the number one, though. So maybe Pickens should be higher. I don't know. But Pickens, there's know. more risk. There's a lot more risk. Ayuk, sure. I think we've seen what he can do. Um, yeah. Pickens is in a offense with a big question mark at quarterback. So is Ayuk. Um, I mean, I guess I'm pretty confident that Trey is going to be better <laughs> than Pickett, though. So yeah. uh, that, you know, there's that. But Ayuk's got Debo, he's got Kittle in front of him. Um, Pickens, Pickens has, has that like, yeah. he has that like DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green ceiling. I'm not saying he's there, obviously, otherwise I'd have him ranked higher. Mm-hmm. But I think some of his implied sort of ceiling comps, if he never got, like, just ask the question, if he never got hurt in college, he's probably like a first, a first pick. Easily. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. And then he's already higher than this right now. Like he's yeah. with Olave and everything, you know, like. Probably, you're right, yeah. You know, I'm not saying he is that player because he isn't. He, he did get hurt. And da, da, da. He was drafted in the second round. I like there was I get off-field it. stuff that they were worried about too, which, you know, of course, that's always very vague. And, and you know, you yeah. don't know if you want to believe it or not. But, like, there's a reason, potentially, that he fell that to where he fell. Yeah. Um, and then who picked him? The wide receiver whisperers, right? right. Like, he goes to the Steelers, spot where yeah. no wide receiver ever fails. I, <laughs> like, granted, you could say that's because Ben was there for so long. I don't know. Who knows? They, they develop wide receivers. They know what they're looking for in wide receivers. Mm-hmm. They've been successful. There's at least a track record. Yes. It may be complete randomness, but sure enough, man, they've been fucking pretty good at making wide receivers good. Absolutely. You know, so that, there's excited. a lot I mean, there. Like, Pickens, you could get at a pretty good discount, I feel like, t- during the summer. Yeah. Um, dur- I guess it was like sort of after the draft, maybe. I can't remember exactly the timeline because I was been didn't, I did a bunch of rookie drafts before and after the draft. But I always felt like he was a little bit like lower than he should have been uh, in terms yeah. of where he was going. I, I'm with you, man. I, I love Pickens. He was the last. Uh, you know, I, I liked him ahead of uh, of J Mo. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I guess J Mo's got. He's more splashy and sort of fun. Like right. he killed it for Alabama. He's fast and all that. But he's coming into the league hurt and uh, playing for the Lions. That, uh, he yeah, has one year cool. of college production. Yeah, I know Pickens was hurt and only has one year of college production. But yeah, I think he was the you know, higher upside player, you know, when they were both freshmen, right. You know, so the, 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 I don't know that I'm, I'm my chips on Pickens. I don't don't think it's a hot take. I think it's, there's, there are plenty of arguments that you could make that Pickens has just as good of like a profile, I guess. Um, Yeah. You know, because he's the type of guy who can be like a true alpha number one too. Whereas Jameson Williams doesn't really have that, that size field strategy type of of, uh, style. Um, and also like, there's plenty of question marks with Jameson Williams. Like, why did he need to transfer? You know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. I don't really buy that because I think that's just college football, but you could at least make that argument. 
Yeah, I mean, in that offense, he wasn't as good as three dope players. I get that. That's like that's easy to say, but he wasn't as good as three players on his college team. So, right. well, I think there's the, that. the retort would be, which I, you know, of course, you have to be there to know, is like, well, it's yes. just they're not going to start him over Alave, who's been there for X amount of years or whatever. Sure, even if he's actually better, kind of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's politics yeah. involved. There's there's yeah. the hierarchy. There's age or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? I, I think that there's a retort to that, but like. At the end of the day, that was the situation. Like he had that to was the situation. Yeah. Who, who are some of your Who are some of your favorite rookies? Like just guys that you don't like leaving drafts without, whether it's you know early or late, doesn't matter. Just some I of think, your favorites. So a couple of guys, obviously London. You know, yeah, I think he's just going to get a ton of volume. It's hard. Like I feel like he he would have to get hurt to not like put up pretty good. Totally, numbers. yeah. Um, Olave to me feels like a pretty sneaky one, just because. You know, he could end up being the number one if Michael Thomas does what I am worried he'll do and like either get hurt or not play or whatever. Um, I'm becoming more and more intrigued with Sky Moore. There it is. Um, that a boy. In terms of like what he could do, like maybe he's sort of the guy everybody's forgetting about right now. He's on the Chiefs, of course. That helps. Um, he is exactly, I think, what they need in that offense. Um, yep. And then, of course, Burks. I think, you know, Burks is like the highest variance rookie yeah. in this class. I think probably like there's a world in which I could see him totally suck in year one. Yeah. Um, but there's also a world in which I could see him catch a thousand yards, you know? Yeah. So um, I think his, his uh, ADP was like plummeting for a while here, but you know, now he came into camp, he had a couple good days. He's in shape ish. Um, <laughs> that's all looking good. So I'm, I'm really intrigued with Burks, but uh, and then of course we talked about James Cook, the one, the two sleepers I want to throw out here. Yeah. Wondell Robinson for the Giants. Okay. Everyone wrote him off, I think, and maybe this is for a good reason, but he's like tiny. Tiny. Um, but he's a second rounder, and they clearly – it's the same thing with James Cook. It's like they clearly have a plan, I think, I hope. A team takes you in the second round, you have a plan for the guy. Um, but it sounds like he's already like kind of like showing up and, and very much impressing at, at training camp. So that will be really interesting to ha- see what happens with him in that, you know, what could be a much better offense than we think it would be. They just haven't scored touchdowns. Like everybody forgets about the Giants and for good reason, because they suck at scoring touchdowns. I think that's going to regress positively this year. Um, and then a Khalil Shakur for, uh, for the bills who maybe that not so much this year, this is probably more of like dynasty right. and talking, but like the number three option in that passing game, I think is going to be valuable. And so um, he's the kind of guy who, you know, if McKenzie doesn't work out, it sounds like McKenzie's having a really good camp. So that probably yeah. sort of eliminates this, but um you know, if he ends up getting hurt or if he ends up not being kind of like as good as people making him out to be like Shakur could step in and be pretty productive as a rookie. I love it. I'm a big Tolbert guy. I'm a big mm-hmm. Sky Moore guy. Um, you know, I think the running backs, there's not much there. Um, I'm a Rashad White <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of some of the players I've hung my hat on. I'm a little bit scared of Wandale just because of the size. Like, totally. I, I like, mean, yeah, I totally understand you, that. Yeah, we've been caught with our hand in the cookie jar on this one, even with a Rondale guy like Rondale Moore. Moore. Yeah, yeah, like where it was like, man, I thought Rondale, Wandale, they sound too much alike. I'm just out on the whole. <laughs> They're both five seven, five six. You know, next year it'll be Shondale and fuck him too. <laughs> yeah, know. it's uh, yeah, I can't do it. It is funny that Wandale and and Rondale are like so <laughs> like the names are so close. It's like they're almost the exact same player too. Like obviously yeah, PTSD. Wandale is like much thicker, but like they yes like stylistically they're pretty similar yeah absolutely well on the note of shondale 
Wandale, Rondale, PTSD Dale. We're gonna go out on that. All that's right. the that's the show. We did it. I'm still are, I'm still holding strong though. I want Wandale to to show out this year. Dude, I love Wandale. He was great. <laughs> and then I found out how small he was. I'm like, eh, I'm not sure about this. The and then crazy he goes thing to the is, he's almost the exact same size as Elijah Moore. Just remember that. Though? Think of it that way. Is he though? Well, is that right? I think listed, or is that like what they put him in the program as? <laughs> I don't know. That's I don't know question. either. It's a good question. I'm not going to look it up. We're too late in the show. Right now, everybody, the show's over. Go Google the fucking size difference between those two yeah. players. And if they're exactly the same size, I will eat a live crow. All of it in one bite. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. It's brutal. Not, not really. I won't. Where does that come from? Eat crow. Like, you know, like know all that. of a sudden you lose a bet. You have to eat a whole crow. Like, yeah. I don't fucking get it. That's anyway, we'll it Google up. that shit too, people. Yeah. Let, like, yeah. let us know what's going on. Uh, but yeah, thanks for coming on, man. This was a long show, but we, man, it's, I could, like I said, man, I love talking to you. I love the ringer. I love what you're doing. You know, I respect you. Thank you for being in my league. Thank you for being awesome. Yeah. Thank you for everything. You're, you're awesome, Danny. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. Really. Tell everybody where they can find you. I don't think I gave your, uh, yeah. you, you jumped in so quick. I don't think I gave you a proper intro. So at least- check out the ringer fantasy football rankings draft slash yes. draft guide at fantasyfootball.theringer.com. And then you can hear me and Danny Heifetz and Craig Horlbeck on the ringer fantasy football show, uh, several times a week. I think we're going to three times a week, t- uh, next week. So yeah. Yes. It's a great, it's a great show. And you're at Appreciate Danny. It. Kelly. Danny B. Kelly on Twitter. Danny B. Kelly. Sorry, yeah. on Twitter. I wasn't looking at it. I just oh, know good. it from memory. There was, Danny, Danny Kelly, Kelly was taken. It's a pretty common name. So Yeah. Danny I B. just literally start putting D-A-N-N-Y and there you are. <laughs> like I never, that's yeah. as far as I need to go. And then you pop right up. So I'm, you're easy to find. Thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. On behalf of everybody here at the Undrafted, on behalf of everybody at the, un, uh, at the Undroppables, on behalf of the greatest producer the land has ever seen, Michael P. Duncan. On behalf of Danny Kelly, I am Jax Falcone, and we are out.